610 now. Hi. Hello. How are you? Live from the 18th floor of 303 East Wacker Drive. It's the Steve Cochran Show, number 1,476. There are a lot of people who said, that show won't last 1,475. And I said, no, you wait and see. And here we are at 1476. Before we begin, I'm going to do this very carefully. Um, G. Suki is a wonderful human being. Oh, no. She is. No. Um, there's a friend who's sick who she tended to all day yesterday. Well, you know, just hung out with all day yesterday. Well, I mean, well, it's very nice just after do. work. Yeah, but I would have dozed off. Like, <laughs> I would have looked for another room with a bed and oh just taken goodness. a nap. But you're a very nice person to do Oh, that. you're very kind. Okay. I'd like to tell you more, but, it, you know, because of HIPAA laws, I can't reveal <laughs> anything else about G. Oh, my goodness. But is the person contagious? Yes, completely. Oh, and wow. G brought it in here. Great. <laughs> I thought I should share the wealth. <laughs> no question about it. The quick way to spread it is just lick the doorknobs. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, just ah, lick the doorknobs. That's a, that's experience speaking right there. That's I a f- guy who's licked a doorknob or two in his life right I there. F- I, is it like the Christmas story where Steve Grzanich is licking the frozen... Pole. <laughs> wow. I, I you know like, what? You just wrote half a Nick show yeah. Friday Sorry. night. I feel like if I'm sick, everybody has to be sick. <laughs> Share the wealth, yeah. as you said. All right, let's do it. Top six and six right now. From the Steve Cochran Auditorium in the lovely Sunrise Hotel, it's time to get your kicks. Get your kicks. With the top six and six. Just kind of have to figure out, um, you know, who your friends are in life. And and I think that's a true definition of a friend is someone who will show up uh, at a hospital and hang out with you. I'm embarrassed, Steve. No, you be embarrassed about it. Did you did you hold them while they threw up or was it uh, was it dramatic? No, I didn't was say it was it... Friday night at her house. No. Well, after a house party. <laughs> uh, did you just... put a hot washcloth on their forehead? <laughs> you should um, always hold your friend's hair if they get sick. <laughs> No, unless you're me, uh, or unless you're oh, yeah. trying to hold my hair. I would just, you know, pat you on the back. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> pat you on the head. <laughs> All right, so think about this now, Dave. Um, what's the definition of a true friend, before we get to the top six at six, who we've already started? Uh, it's somebody that uh, will visit you <laughs> when you're sick. Yeah. It's someone who you will share your uh, most private uh, concerns with. Sure. Not just joys, but concerns. And it's someone who will take you to the airport. Oh, yeah. yes. And it's only that. complain about it behind your back. Yeah, I think those those things all kind of fit the bill. All right, you got a better example of a true friend? 312-981-7200. Mini text question here. Oh, okay. that's a good one. Yeah. It's a friend that will take you to the airport that's farthest away from where you live. So if you they, live you know, south side, then you're willing to drive them to O'Hare. If you're driving you somebody else to the airport, they're all far away. <laughs> right. So 312-981-7200. Text question is, how do you define a true friend? What's a true friend do for you? Okay. All right, number one. Chicago teacher strike will continue. Classes in CPS schools canceled again today. Big issues, quote, big issues remain unresolved in contract negotiations. Chief Education Officer Latani McDade said the city's prepared to make an investment of nearly half a billion dollars in schools that addresses all of the union's key issues. The failure of the sides to reach a deal so far means the strike now reaches its ninth day. Anything to add to that, Steve? 
Uh, only that the, t- the the contract talks w- went really late into the night last night, which is can be seen as a good sign, I guess. And that the teachers union did uh, say they laid out a plan uh, for settlement, so they they're moving in in the right direction. It sounds like uh, toward a settlement, uh, and uh, those negotiations are going to get started again this morning at ten o'clock. So that's good news that there's that little time between when one session ends and the other begins. That means something's going on. Something positive is happening. Next, in uh, Washington news, I'm compelled by law to do Washington news, in a letter to House Democrats, Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, announced that the House will take its first formal vote on Thursday to affirm the impeachment investigation. There's all sorts of parliamentary procedures that go on um, that buy time or uh, test the public's will or the public's support of things. This vote on Thursday will cause uh, members of the House to go on record as to where they stand on this uh, prior to an election year. The entire House flips next year. So that's important. But it also would not be a vote that the Speaker would take unless she feels she has the votes for it to pass. Um, And many on the Republican side, uh, the Donald Trump support uh, uh, folks, uh, have said uh, if she's not taking a vote, this whole process is a scam. Well, now she's taking a vote. So we'll see where that goes from here. Meanwhile, President Trump was in town yesterday to address a uh, convention of police uh, officials and officers and um, said Chicago is more dangerous than Afghanistan. Uh, We actually have that clip. I don't want to play it now, but we'll play it at some point this morning. Words speak for themselves. And in addition to that, uh, this morning, later this morning, um, a very important witness will speak to Congress as the Hearings continue to investigate the Ukraine call, the infamous Ukraine call, with a White House official, who I assume will soon be a former White House official, who's active duty military and a Purple Heart winner, uh, awardee, if you will, uh, will be speaking to the fact that he reported his concerns twice as to what he thought the president might be trying to gain from that call. So another busy day to be the president of the United States. Next. United Airlines going to add flights from Chicago to three destinations in the western U.S. in June. Daily flights between O'Hare and Santa Barbara, California, between O'Hare and Pasco, Washington, uh, for example, are going to begin June 4th. I've never heard of Pasco, Washington. I've heard of it, but I, aside from it being in the state of Washington, I couldn't tell you where it is. You know, it's important that they have an airport because you've got a plane that's got to land there. Yes. I wonder if anyone listening has a friend in Pasco, Washington. Or well, if they big audience. I bet going to Pasco, Washington. What's in Pasco? Yeah, tell us where Pasco is. And how is that Pasco airport? And do they have a Sabaro? You know, these are all important questions. Uh, at any rate, the airline also extended seasonal flights from Chicago to Vail, Colorado into the summer. Now, there, the United Planes just land on a ski slope, right? And not, not quite. Oh, they don't? Not, no. But, you know, they've always had service during ski season. I was in Vail last summer. It's packed during the summer, and pa- and tons of Chicagoans go out there. What do so. they do in the summer in Vail? Is there shopping? Well, there's shopping, there's hiking, there's whitewater rafting. Oh, outdoor activities. Outdoor, plenty of outdoor activities. <laughs> golf. There's golf there, Steve. Yeah, I've played golf in Colorado. It's fun because the ball flies 15 to 20% farther. It does. Yeah. So Pasco, Washington, I'm looking at it on the map, guys. Uh, it looks like it's uh, more inland in Washington, so it's not one of the coastal cities. It looks like it's southeast of Seattle. Um, and uh, really, doesn't look like there's anything around Pasco, Washington. It's in at all. the Tri Cities region. The Tri Cities, yeah. Wow, um, Dave Ennett. Whoa. Let me go to. Uh, you are the geography winner. Susan, your granddaughter lives in Pasco. 
Yes. And what uh, airline is going to fly there? United. Oh, okay, because it's very difficult to get to there from here. you got to go to Seattle and then back to Pasco. Yeah, which is silly because Pasco comes first. Right. Um, does Pasco have a big airport? I don't think so. Mm. It's not It's not like Midway or any of that, but it's it's a decent size. What would you compare Pasco to town size? I mean, is it, uh, I don't know, is it Naperville, Aurora, Joliet? I, I don't know, because I, I have never been there. All oh, okay. I know is that they have a nuclear power plant there. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's a reason to have a flight. Uh, and uh, now you can fly there direct. Yes, yes. What's your and granddaughter do there? nuclear scientist. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that, this could be why the, the flight is being added there. Cool. This is so oh, it sounds secretive. Hey, Susan, yes. do they have a gift shop? So like next time you go, could you give me like some nuclear science gift from there? I, I don't know what they've got there. I have never been there. Yeah, I, I know, but when you go, I'm just saying maybe I look for a gift Seattle shop. I was in Seattle for her wedding, but I have never been to Pasco. Well, if you get out, buy me a souvenir. Yeah. Okay, thank right. you. Thank you for calling. What looks a like brilliant a, granddaughter. Looks like it's has. along the beautiful Columbia <laughs> She's River. She's like, yeah, right, Steve. Grandma was just a fact. Did you notice that? Yeah, oh, yeah. She's very, uh, yeah, strictly a fact. I love flying into a small airport, uh, though. Like Sometimes why? I fly into uh, Greenville, South Carolina to get to the Why do you like small part? airports? It's so easy. You have no oh, idea. Oh, because you don't have to wait. You just, yeah, yeah, yeah. The cars pull it. up right to the front door, and you can just hang out there for and hours. Don't lose your luggage. Yeah. Next, World Series returns to Houston tonight for Game 6. If the Astros win, they win four in a row. They win the World Series. The Nationals won Games 1 and 2 at Minute Maid Park. There's been nothing but road wins here in a very weird World Series. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never won a championship. The Nationals are trying to uh, win the final two. They've got to win the final two to do that. First pitch is 7 o'clock tonight on Fox. And the pitchers are? Steven Strasburg for the Nationals. Oh, the conductor. The, the conductor, Strasburg. Uh-huh. And then... Uh, uh, Justin Verlander. Oh, sure. The Astros. Yeah, Mr. Upton, as we like to call him. <laughs> well, we yes. do. Uh, and do you have a prediction for tonight? Because, you know, I'm the one that said that uh, this looked like a White Sox mm-hmm. 0-5 run. I'm now changing that. I think yeah. the Astros <laughs> finish I, it tonight. You know, I my, my gut tells me that Houston's going to win. I, I think it'd be a great story for Washington to sure. get it to Game 7. And then they might get Scherzer back, who had to be scratched from Game 5. The yeah, next spasms. Next spasms. Couldn't lift his arm. And the more, which is a problem for a pitcher. Here's the thing. If the Nationals win, it would take some of the hurt off the people in Washington because everything in Washington sucks. Uh, you know, and the the number one industry in Washington is in a lot of trouble. Uh, next, if you don't have two hundred fifty thousand dollars to travel with Sir Richard Branson, founder of the Virgin Group, into space, don't worry because he said costs are going to come down like they did for transatlantic travel. You know, a hundred years ago, uh, Branson predicted if, if the price drops thirty thousand dollars in twenty years, he wouldn't be surprised. Now, if you're Richard Branson, you got a lot of money. Here's the deal. 250000 to 220000 is not going to get it done. In 20 years, too. So that's, yeah. I'll be 70. We need 250000 to drop to seventy nine ninety five. Right. <laughs> that's even better. Because originally I thought it meant 250000 to $30,000. I right. thought, well, maybe no, just a $30,000 drop. <laughs> and there's there's been no talk of what the check baggage fee is going to be. So that's the thing. Maybe yeah. you charge like you know you, you do like a like a what, is it Spirit Airlines that charges you eight dollars, but then everything's an upcharge. Standing room only. Yeah. And finally, this Chicago's made its first locally made hard seltzer. Dave, it's called uh, City you're Water. You're looking at the wrong person. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, 
do you want to drink something called city water? No. <laughs> it's made by Salamoth Brewery. The initial lineup comes in flavors like mixed berry, lime, coconut. You put the lime in the coconut. You got grapefruit and Valencia orange cranberry. Mm. It's available mm. through the Whole Foods and Vinny's chains. Plus, at many independent beer and grocery stores. This so, is because of that entire White Claw brand yep, exactly. craze 100%. that happened over the summer. What makes it hard? Well, how, why does it uh, it's become spiked liquor? with alcohol? Well, they put uh, vodka in it. Okay. They just let it sit till it gin. gets hard. Gin or they, just, vodka. they just open the top and just let it sit till oh, it hardens. Oh no, I'm not touching that. That's your top six and six. That's it. That's all today for the top six and six. No more. Texters, did your show count the number with or without you there? I don't know. What's the answer to that, Super Joe? Do we count the shows I'm not here? Well, I need somebody's help with the counting, so I'm going to have to... Because it's a big number? No, actually, I, I don't count the ones that when you're not here. Okay. It never counts yeah. if you're not here. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Mary and I been here for probably more than 1,476. Yeah, who's, who's counting those shows? Yeah. You guys have your own count, too. Your count is 2,911 just with me. Uh, say 847, we're talking about how nice G is and what she did yesterday for a friend. Yeah. 847, a true friend is someone that will help you move. That's a good point as well. Mm-hmm. Very true. Uh, several people said that, by the way. Although, um, when you do ask somebody to help you move, be prepared for them to not be your friend anymore. Yeah, but I mean, what if the pizza is good? Mm. My friend Deb, who works at Harry Carey's, uh, texted me and said, a true friend knows to take an Uber to the airport. That's <laughs> <laughs> not bad. Seven way a true friend, no matter how long it's been since you've seen them, can just pick up right again. I agree with that. That's true. That, That's very true. You know, I just took that golf trip with uh, right. three buddies from high school, a couple of my cousins. We see each other once a year. It's like 1979 all over again. And we don't guys, miss stuff. Guys have an easier time doing that than yes, girls, yeah, I do. think. Yeah, because your brains are bigger and you think about more stuff. We I just have a go, lot more to Dude. talk about. <laughs> mm. uh, let's see. True Fan 773. When you ring their front door at 2 a.m. holding two shovels, they take one of the shovels and follow you. No questions asked. <laughs> <laughs> How great is There's that? A story there. <laughs> That's a true friend. <laughs> true friend, 773. They take you to the airport at 4 in the morning, pick you up on a Sunday morning at 6 a.m. You're going on vacation, and they have to go to work, and they wish you a good trip. That's true. 773. True friend will tell you when you have food or toothpaste on your face, something in your nose, or food in your teeth. Mm-hmm. It's very awkward. No matter how close you are and how much you love each other, though. I tell strangers. I walk around all day. <laughs> you don't. I walk around all day looking for strangers with stuff in their teeth, just so I can tell them. Or their fly open. <laughs> Which happened to you. Yep. Six three on stage. Not me, Steve. Yeah, on stage. Six three oh, a true friend will help you shower after breaking your arm or there will be no more secrets left. That's Dave, nice. I consider you a true friend. I don't need help in the shower. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. That was a true friend moment by me, not asking you to do it that. Was. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. And uh, a true friend, one more, 815. Uh, a true friend, which I've witnessed over the past 10 years, is one that after 50-plus years of marriage and 10 years of Alzheimer's taking its toll, uh, still as her caregiver cleans her up wow. because she can't get to a bathroom, feeds her three times a day, holds her hand, talks to her, and stays by her side. That's so beautiful. And then, uh, my goodness. And, you know, big tough me already choking up over here. Uh, coming up on 630, we'll get the headline. Steve is standing by with that. And then a uh, kid of the week. Uh, Going to be my new favorite 11-year-old shortly here. Very special guest after 730 on domestic violence. A little heavy, but important topic. 
Now, how old are you? I am 10 years old. 14. 8. 12. I'm 18. I'm 10 years old. What grade are you in or about to go into? I'm a senior. Eighth grade. Sophomore year. I just uh, finished junior year, so I guess I'm a senior. I'm in fourth. What do you do for fun? I love art. Art is my favorite. I do soccer, basketball, cheerleading, tennis, baseball. I like to play on a trampoline, and I love to make slime. I act and plays, and I sing all the time. I also write stories because I love writing. I play tennis. I also like to play soccer with my best buddy, but I'm not on the team. Listen, you're a great kid. What do you want to be when you grow up? I'm still figuring it out. Pediatric oncologist. I really want to be a marine biologist. I'm not really sure yet, but I'm looking into biomechanical engineering. I want to be an orthodontist because you can help kids feel better out their smile. Will you run for president someday? I want to. Are you excited to be on the show? Yeah. You sound super excited. (laughs) Have you ever been more excited than this? Yeah. Well, kids, there you go. Kid of the Week time. And, of course, we want you to get a hold of us and and tell us about great kids doing great things. So all i got to do, Joe, is go to wjnradio.com slash contest and submit a kid right there. Yeah, if you scroll down, it's one of the tabs there, and you click on it. You get to talk about the the kid that you're nominating. What if I nominate G because she's a really good friend to uh, her friend? (laughs) Not Uh, a kid. (laughs) Yeah, technically we have age restrictions, but I I think we'd be able to make an exception for G. (laughs) Tough break. She missed it by a year. Uh, But WGNRadio.com slash contest, uh, kid of the week, and uh, tell us about some great kid you want us to know about. And let's see if they are as great as young Addie Timmons. Good morning, Addie. Hello, good morning. How are you today? I'm good. Um, And where do you go to school? Um, I go to Meadow Park Middle School. So you have to go to school today. You're not part of this teacher strike thing, huh? Um, And I'm in Portland, Oregon. Oh, you're in Portland. What are you doing in Portland? This is the part where Addie, Uh, this is the part, Addie, where you go, well, this is where I live. Uh, yeah, um, I I just moved here from Illinois about a year ago. Wow, well, what do you think? Uh, it's really great here. Well, good. But it's a bit colder. Well, God, that's odd, right? Uh, well, I guess probably in January it's colder here. Anyway, Addie, uh, 11 years old, what's it like to be 11 now? It's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> what's your favorite part about being 11? Um... That um, my parents are can let me stay home sometimes. Oh, look at you, big shot! <laughs> Do you have any little brothers or sisters? Uh, yes, I have two younger brothers. How old are they? Uh, Soren is six, and Clyde is four. So your main job when you're home with them is to keep them from burning the house to the ground, right? Yep. That seems like a good <laughs> good thing. And you know what? I would trust you as well. Uh, so listen, uh, here's the deal. Uh, science, technology, engineering, and math, STEM. We talk about it all the time in relation to girls getting the same shot at boys. Are you a, a science and math kid? Yep. I love it. What do you think you want to do when you grow up? Well, when I grow up, I want to be an engineer and kind of like a science and technology. Okay. And I want to build a robot that can do almost anything. So like an all like a multi-use robot, a robot can do whatever you want. Yeah. What if you had a robot that could do a talk show? Would that be a good idea? Oh, that would be fun. Well, I don't think we can continue with this call anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Addie, you're you're great. Hold on, G wants to talk to you. Addie, what do you love about science and math? Um, I love that you can be really creative with it, 
and that you can like think of whatever and like you can build it with technology and stuff. Is it really true you built your own computer at seven years old? Yeah, it was like this Kano kit. That's going to shock you, Eddie, but I don't know what a Kano kit is. We don't know. (laughs) Is a Kano kit like computer parts or something? You put them together? kind of so like they kind of like send you the computer but they also send you like all the parts and like you got to take it apart and then you got to put it put it together and then um plug it in and then you can work it so is your mom or dad or somebody in the family uh, a computer type i mean where'd you learn all this uh i actually got it from my dad okay he's a computer guy yeah okay Remember chemistry sets? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had the real dangerous chemicals in mind. Um, Eddie, uh, we hear that you play an instrument, too. Can you tell us which one and what you love about music? Um, I really love uh, the clarinet. I'm actually playing the clarinet right now. Um, I might switch to the saxophone next year, but I'm, I'm starting on the clarinet. And what I love about music is that is just so pretty and you can have like a conversation with it oh very nice Uh, yeah very poetic where's your clarinet right now it's actually in my case over there can you play something for us all right i'll be right back yeah go grab your clarinet Eddie's going to get a clarinet and tell you more about Eddie. Involved with something called Maker Girl uh, and part of the Maker Girl pilot session. Um, and uh, she is one of the original Maker Girls. Maker Girls tries to do what we talked about before, making sure STEM is available, science, technology, engineering, and math available to all girls to have an equal shot with all boys, which, of course, just makes sense. But this type of organization is key to getting it done. And Addie and her dad just went to see the Oregon Symphony perform Beethoven's Fifth this weekend. It sounds like she and her dad have a lot of good quality time together. Yeah, which is great. She's getting a lot of inspiration from dad. Dads and daughters, it's special stuff. All right, so you tell me when you're ready, Addie. Oh, she's still putting right. it together. Oh, I, have you ever had anyone play clarinet on the radio before? Nobody as good as Addie. This is we used to do a regular feature, clarinets on the radio. Oh, we did it, I'm, yeah, yeah. That was so before sad you started I here. Missed yeah. that yeah. clarinets are a pretty instrument. So, Addie, what are you going to play for us? Um, just something short, you know, thirty seconds, a minute, whatever you have. Yeah, um, yeah, I'll play a lick. Uh, a lick. Nice. All right, let me hear like it. Just a little part. All right. Thank. A little part of something. Here you go. Addie playing a little part of something. Standing ovation. Bravo! Bravo! Right? A rare sitting ovation because we can't stand with our headphones on. But that's really cool. Uh, Addie, what is that from? Um, I have a music book. Um, it's a Standard of Excellence. Oh, it sounds sort of jazzy. Yeah. Standard of Excellence, just like Addie. All right, so you want all girls, uh, Addie, you want all girls to make sure they know science, technology, engineering, and math, that's available to them, and they need to chase it if that's what they love, right? Yeah. 
all girls can do what boys can do. Amen. Woo-hoo. High five all the way to Portland and back. Uh, thanks for being a great kid of the week. Hug your dad for us and hold on. How about that kid? Huh? I am at Addie's number one fan. Yeah, she rocks. And it's she's early there, too. And she's yeah, up and at him and yeah, it's not practicing. Even, not even five clarinet. in the morning. She is <laughs> or, incredible. Yeah, what is it, 445, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, she loves to read graphic novels. She wants to be a part of the speech team. And I like when I said, uh, what's it like to be 11? It's pretty cool. <laughs> that enthusiasm. So fantastic. I can't remember anything at 11. <laughs> Well, in our case, Mary, that was the early 70s. We're not expected to remember. At 646, Mary, do the traffic here. We'll come back. Got a bunch of texters chiming in because G was really good to her friend yesterday. I said, mini text question, what's a true friend? People are jumping all over this. 312-981-7200. Text in. Good grief. A definition of a friend for you. And here's a few more of these true friend texts. A true friend brings the bail money. That's from the 773. That is a true friend. 773, a friend is someone who says nice things about you behind your back. Oh. That's, that's a good definition. Talking badly about you. Mm-hmm. Our friend Margaret in Bridgeport. Is there a better, more loyal listener than Margaret no. in Bridgeport? She's been with us forever. It's so, great. And thank you, Margaret. Uh, a friend will always help you mix the quick drying cement. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like the shovel text earlier. 630, a true friend names their firstborn after them. Well, that's a true friend plus. Yeah. I don't know that I could uh, deal with the honor of that. Someone naming their child my real name, which is Shecky. Was going to ask if either of you had anyone named after you. Do not. No. No. My grandbaby's middle name is Mary. Oh, that's nice. That's very sweet. Six three. A true friend will help you get out of trouble that you got them into. That's good. I had four seven. I had bilateral mastectomies. My best friend forever flew in from California, took care of me for two weeks. I'm coming up on five years cancer free. How about a hand for that? Come on. Good golf clap. Uh, let's see. In uh, true friend uh, takes you to the hospital even when your water breaks all over their apartment. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Whoa. Well, honestly, if that happened at your apartment, what would you do? Oh, you're going to the hospital on your own now. Look at the mess I've got to clean. Yeah, that's true. Eight one five. A true friend accepts you for who you are, doesn't judge, and uh, calls you just to say hi. A true friend will not call you only when they want something. Well, amen to that. A15, a good friend is somebody that cleans up the dead possum on your front rock walkway when you're on vacation. Wow. Bearing an extra bottle of wine for that one. That's just sort of odd because I almost hit a possum on the way to work this morning. I have those friendships, though, where we don't talk for weeks, months, but then when we see each other, we just pick right back up. Right. That's the thing. I mean, that's that's. But you shouldn't just call a friend when you need something. That's the worst. Wouldn't be just a possum either. Could be any Road dead kill. animal. <laughs> <laughs> so you think we? You think us highlighting possums is the wrong part of the story? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I have a possum story for you. Um, I don't think I've ever told this on the air, but it's one of Maureen's favorite stories. A uh, possum uh, ended up uh, dying in one of our window wells, so it falls down mm-hmm. you know, to the well. I was on a golf course, and uh, <laughs> really shocking. Yeah. My brother, Surprise. my brother was visiting, and um, my brother likes nothing better than to uh, uh, give me a hard time. So he called up and said, "Dead possum, you got to come get it." <laughs> and uh, when I came back, I assessed the situation very quickly. Mm-hmm. I was playing golf with my friend Sam, the veterinarian, 
you know, Sam, he's sure. been on the show many times. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, yeah, and I'm not doing that. This is a job for Sam. He knows how to handle these things. <laughs> because he's a veterinarian. Right. Now, as it turns out, my brother ended up removing the possum from its final place there. And Sam came by and took the possum and disposed of it as a veterinarian might. Me? Nothing. Nothing to do no with it. No help at all. <laughs> yeah. you, you played all 18. As a matter of fact, I went back and finished. <laughs> what did you do for Sam? Uh, oh, I've done many things for Sam. I've uh, <laughs> taken him to the airport. I've bailed him out of jail. What are the other ones that have come in? Uh, I'm taking credit for all of them. But that's his job. Did he put it in his look, car? Look, if Sam, oh. if Sam came to me and said, could you interview someone at my house, I'd come over and do it. But Sam works with... Animals that are alive. Well, He's and animals that have passed. Yeah, animals that have passed as well. Well, yeah. so. I don't think he's ever worked on an opossum. Well, he may have. I don't know. I mean, for the sake of <laughs> this story, opossum? for the sake of the story, he's only worked with possums. <laughs> <laughs> so a true friend gets the possum out of your window well you and go. disposes of it. That's true. How about that? Uh, and I don't want you to think I was afraid to do it. No, of course not. I, you? I, it was just beneath you. I had a, no, not at all. But I had an eight footer right to left with a slight <laughs> bit of break I that I, I really had to make for birdie. Um, all right, do we have a break for the top? We do. All right, let's do that right now. We'll come back and uh, get you to the news at seven. Uh, after seven thirty, a, a young woman has written a book about domestic violence. She was a victim of it, and uh, she will be here to talk about it and try to empower women in particular. To do what's right for them, uh, because that's what you need to do if you're a victim of this type of uh, horrific deal. By the way, I understand that this happens to men, too. Either way. Either way. More textures coming in on this. Uh, 847, true friend is not the one who bails you out of jail, but the one who's sitting next to you in jail because you got in trouble together. (laughs) Dave, you ever done a hard time? Uh, no, I haven't, Steve. Not that I want to discuss here. Has anybody on the show ever been in jail? I've not. No. No, I have not. Like a fake jail, you know, oh, like, like a yeah, Western the... scene. Oh, yeah. and <laughs> you're talking about who's gal? Who is it? What was a charity that used to you know, tell you to arrest your friends and actual cops, off-duty oh, cops, and pick you up? Yeah, remember that? I remember that? Yeah, but I can't think. Steve, you've been in jail, I'm sure. Uh, a couple of times, yeah. <laughs> I just didn't want to say it out loud, but since you asked. Why would we admit Minor it anyway? offenses, yeah. Of the, of the host of shows on this station, outside of me, who do you think spent a night in jail? Do you know? Nick DiGilio. Yeah, I would say Nick. <laughs> I would agree. That. Maybe, maybe John Williams, I think. John Williams in jail? Something just yeah. tells me. Just... For what? Because he and Thomas Jefferson held up a, a stagecoach? Yeah. Maybe it was a uh, protest of some Robin sort. Ba- maybe he's robbing banks dressed as a president. I don't know. No. Justin Kaufman. I was going to say you Roe. think just, oh, Justin Roe, Kaufman yeah. would have Roe. been protest arrested. He would have been yeah. outside protesting, and he would have been arrested. You yeah. know those softball or even the James Beer Awards. You know that's when oh, he would have sure. trouble. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that sixteen-inch softball. But you think Roe? That would, if I had to guess on the staff. Can you imagine Roe? Con- what a baby he would be in jail. <laughs> He would be trying to buddy up with whoever's in charge at cell block C in about 30 seconds. <laughs> uh, 630, a true friend tells you that you have something in your teeth and says, yeah, you do look fat in that dress. Do girls say that to each other? What? Say that again? Just They just say, well, it's kind of tight. So you would say to another woman, it's kind of tight, the dress. Eh, something. Just oh, I would. doesn't fit you well. Yeah. I, because you, I think it would be wrong to... But yet you can't tell somebody they have something in their teeth? I, I do, but it's oh, just still awkward. 
Yeah, wasn't well, the dress thing awkward? No, because she really does want to know. If a girl's asking not, another girl. Not if she tells a guy. No. No. If the, the, guy, right. the guy is sworn by law to lie. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. Uh, all right, we got to get to the news. We'll come back and uh, a much more show to go today, including Dean after eight, Jeremy Colleton, and Bill and Juliana Rancic later as well. The Steve Cochran Show on 720 WGN, where you get the news, oh, I'd say right about now. Started to show today with G and her true friendship with a friend who's in the hospital. And um, she actually stood in for a doctor who wasn't there yet. And, uh, <laughs> there we go. And uh, she did surgery yesterday mm-hmm. with no training whatsoever, which I wouldn't advise, but it worked out well. First time for everything. <laughs> so I just said, look, I figured this would be a quickie, right? I just said, hey, listen, if you uh, want to tell me what a true friend is, uh, you know, uh, let me know. 312-981-7200, you texters. Uh, a true friend names their firstborn after you. Their firstborn. Did I say that before? Um, a variation similar. of that. Yes. yes. But. Um, there are countless babies named after me. Are there really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. It's Joseph, though. Uh, yeah, and Joey and Giuseppe. You know, there's a, there's a lot of babies that are named after me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 We're just letting them think that. <laughs> A true three three one. A true friend tells you when you have bad breath. Once again, like the uh, food stuck in someone's teeth. Eight four seven. A true friend cleans your flooded basement and washes sweaters that fell into the water while you were vacationing in California. Wow, Mary Vandeveld needed that. The I other didn't day. have any friends come over. <laughs> one one did ask if they you know that they had a, a pump they, that I could use, and that they was, were going to come over and help me. That's nice. Well, another friend too. Oh, I do. Two two had volunteered. Mm-hmm. Well, you better give I have two credit. friends. You still have to live there. <laughs> 312, if you're lucky, you learn to love yourself despite being screwed up, because we all are. If you're really lucky, you learn your true friends love you because you're screwed up. Well, sweet. Very sweet. And nobody's perfect. We're all screwed up. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, it goes on. 312-981-7200. And did you see those people suggesting who else could be in jail? <laughs> Pete, Pete McMurray and Mark Carmen. Oh, yeah. Somebody did vote for Pete McMurray. And Mark Carmen's going to be on later, right? He is. What, uh, ask him. Uh, uh, fresh out of jail. Now, Dave, you're leaving the show again in the middle of the show. <laughs> I'm going to jail. So Mark's uh, coming in. Th- this happens once a year, and it always fascinates me. Where are you going today? Uh, the uh, Chicago Sports Commission uh-huh. uh, is holding an event this morning. That's uh, a cooperative group of sports, sports agencies and folks in town who try to make Chicago a sports attraction. Try to everybody. attract uh, big events to Chicago. It it's seems like an of, important thing. It's part of Choose Chicago. WGN Radio has been a partner for several years, and I moderate these uh, these events. This morning, I'm on a panel with some mm-hmm. other sportscasters. Who's on the panel? Town. Uh, Peggy Kuzinski, yeah, Lou Canellis. He's not on in the morning. He's not on the morning. Dave Revson. Dave Revson's not on in the morning. So you're the only one who actually has to leave a show to go do this. I have to leave a show <laughs> to go do this. Because yes. you know for this part- show. For our, a partnership of ours. But you know this show's on until 10. I do know that, yes. I was going to say nothing can get between Dave and his commitment to his journalistic integrity and his job. And That's right. You're relentless about getting I, the story. I, I, uh, in Dave's defense. And we know where his priorities are. <laughs> in Dave's Mary. defense, previous administrations, <laughs> Sorry, mm-hmm. Hornswoggled have been to doing this. Uh, and, uh, and you were good enough to do it. 
um, and I just want to know if I can go to. And once sure. they had his, have their claws in Dave, it's it's done. He's going to be doing this forever. <laughs> it is a good thing. It's good that you're a part of it. And I think we should all go Thank and you. support him. Will there be wine? <laughs> no, I don't think that's ever happened. Could we no, all just it's a breakfast? Bloody Mary? Oh, sorry. We, what if we all just walked off the <laughs> show collectively? You know, it'd be interesting is if we could do overnight ratings. We walk off the show collectively. We leave the microphones on so it sounds like a butt dial, and you just see what you pick up in the studio. And then you look at the overnights to see if the numbers went up or down. Yeah, but wouldn't you be a little worried if they went up? <laughs> and I don't think you want to leave. You don't want to leave the mic on in the newsroom. You don't want to hear what goes for on all there. of us. Yeah. No, I would, yeah, I wasn't singling <laughs> anybody out here. I know. Now we don't do overnight, so it's not a concern. Yeah, right. And actually, thank you, audience. Again, we just had some up ratings again, so thank you for that. Thank you for the listening and the support. Uh, all right, so here's the deal. Dave, we'll leave at uh, eight o'clock. Uh, right after the 7.30 sports. Uh, and uh, Mark Carmen will be here? Carmen will be here unless he's back in jail. Right. Now, that's nice of Mark Carmen to come in for half of a shift. Oh, he's that's doing it nice. for the money. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's, it's not charity. <laughs> he's getting married in a couple <laughs> of weeks. He needs the money. <laughs> oh. Uh, all right, so let's do this. 7.15. i got to play that piece of sound for you from yesterday. We told you that President Trump was in town yesterday morning right about this time, and it was part of the International Association of Chiefs of Police Conference. And, Steve, that was a multi-day meeting um, that uh, culminated, I think, yesterday with... With Trump's speech, yes? Uh, yes. Um, police chiefs from all across the country, uh, police departments big and small. Eddie Johnson, police superintendent, said uh, at least two or three days ago, it doesn't line up with our city's core values along with my personal values. I will not be attending. Um, and he clarified that other police officers have the green light to attend if they choose. He said it's not about the department. It's really about me and the way I feel about the core values of the city. The president took offense to that, and uh, these are part of his comments from yesterday. It's embarrassing to us as a nation all over the world. They're talking about Chicago. Afghanistan is a safe place by comparison. It's true. Police officers of Chicago are entitled to a police superintendent who has their backs and knows what he's doing. Um, there's no indication uh, that I'm aware of that Eddie Johnson doesn't know what he's doing. Um, again, facts, the city of Chicago is not comparable to Afghanistan in safety. It's frankly a ridiculous statement. And um, well, the president still has a business here with his name on the side of the building. So I would have to ask if it's that dangerous, why would you continue to do business here? Now, uh, does he have a right to be offended? Of course he does. He can choose however he's offended. Uh, J.B. Pritzker and Lori Lightfoot, the mayor, uh, also chose not to attend. And an executive, I don't know if it's the head of the FOP, Steve, was the one who greeted him at the airport? Yeah, the uh, FOP president greeted uh, President Trump on the tarmac at O'Hare when he arrived yesterday. So if you're uh, the president of the United States, Donald Trump, anybody... Um, do you have the uh, uh, appropriate expectation that you will be greeted by the cities and the state's leadership when you visit? That's certainly been a tradition in the past. Uh, and and uh, maybe that was part of the anger. Maybe it was just because of what Eddie Johnson had said the other day. But, you know, Eddie Johnson also deserves to have his viewpoint as well. And uh, certainly you could find members of the rank and file in the police department who take issue with Eddie Johnson, whether or not about going to the conference or not, um, but about how he does his job as leader. Um, anybody in upper management is going to get that. 
But Eddie Johnson, uh, as a police superintendent, has been endorsed by the new mayor and held over by the new mayor from Rahm Emanuel's administration. And by all accounts, seems to be improving upon how the police department is doing its job. The thing I am troubled by, and it's not just Donald Trump, it's the national media image of Chicago as some Wild West city where you can't walk down Michigan Avenue without ducking from bullets. It's, it's a ridiculous assertion. But if you talk to, I, I don't know that there's anybody listening who at some point or another hasn't talked to relatives, friends, family from other cities that go, wow, I can't believe how dangerous it is there. Now, God bless the people on the west side who live in the most troubled neighborhoods in the city and the insane gang violence that continues to go on. Um, I pray for you. I, I wish nothing but the best for you. I wish there was an easy solution. And um, I know things are getting better, but not nearly fast enough, because, as I've said before, the people who live in those neighborhoods want the same thing you want. Yeah, and there are some facts here that uh, need to be shared. Uh, the facts matter in some of these stories, and one of the statistics is that um, Chicago crime numbers are getting better, um, considerably better over the last year or so. As a matter of fact, the police superintendent said uh, 17 of our neighborhoods are safer than neighborhoods in Manhattan and L.A., and uh, Chicago was uh, leading uh, the double-digit reductions in crime for the past f- uh, three years, I think he said, have helped to bring down numbers, uh, anti-violence uh, numbers, including uh, shootings nationally. So uh, Chicago's actually been driving some of the reduction in some of those numbers nationally in, quarter, in, in terms of those violent statistics. And even with business being good to very good here in the city and cranes above the skyline as new buildings are going up and new opportunities are rising, it does not help in any way, shape, or form, not just for business, not just for the economy, because we know the city's broke. Teacher strike is still going on. There's your most stark front and center example. It doesn't help any part of the image of this great city when uh, uh, that's the national image of this great city, and it's absolutely incorrect. So the president does uh, not help uh, in any way uh, by making those statements yesterday. He can be angry. He can take it up in private if he chooses. But uh, saying that publicly while he has a building on Michigan Avenue that sets Trump on the side seems, I don't know, it seems counterintuitive, uh, doesn't it? I got a couple of minutes here, Super Joe, to the bottom. Yeah. Uh, Texters uh, chiming in on uh, the discussion of President Trump's comments yesterday. Uh, Before I get to that, actually, I did have to say this. We're discussing who on the staff may have spent a night in jail. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, One texter says, Orion Samuelson. (laughs) (laughs) They believe he may have murdered someone who said almond milk is milk. (gasps) That is such a good text. Although although he did include Beyond Meat in his uh, report this morning, Steve. I heard that. You can't avoid it. On, on the opening bell. Can't avoid yeah. it. He did. Yeah. Uh, 630. You know, it doesn't help uh, that the expose that's going to be on WGN TV tonight is going to be about someone getting shot every three hours. There's an expose, a well, documentary, uh, not documentary, an investigative report tonight on Channel 9 News about violence in the city. That's not that's not the same as the national media image portrayed of this city. That's a report from people who live here on what's actually happening here. And you don't ignore it. You don't stick your head in the sand. You have to talk about it. So I salute what Channel 9's doing, and I hope you watch. 708, yes, my girlfriend is moving from Boston to Chicago, and she's terrified. That's that's the thing. It, There's no reason to be terrified to live in the city. It is very true that when you travel, people do ask you about the violence in Chicago because they hear that soundbite. And that there there is a responsibility on the national level with news and on the local level as well. There's a lot of complaints um, with locals that 
not enough positive stories are covered that come out of the same neighborhood. Well, I would just ask people to use their common sense. There are thousands of people mm-hmm. uh, daily on Michigan Avenue, on State Street, in the loop all over the place, in neighborhoods around Chicago. My son and daughter-in-law and my two grandchildren uh, live in, in Chicago. Um, my mom, my little sister lives in Chicago. None of them have been exposed to violence, thank God. But they also aren't afraid of being exposed to violence because the, the, it's the, the image that it's everywhere just isn't true. It's awful where it is, and it needs to be fixed as soon as possible. But it is literally, geographically, a condensed area of several really troubled neighborhoods that are majority, by a wide margin, great people just trying to live their lives. And those neighborhoods have been impossibly polluted from an image standpoint by gangs shooting each other. I mean, that's the ultimate truth. 224, if we want our image to improve, um, we need to work harder at it. 630, um, it's called freedom of speech, just like you liberal newscasters. (laughs) (laughs) The ultimate truth about doing this job is if I criticize a Republican, then I'm a liberal. If I criticize a Democrat, as I have Mike Madigan and the Democrats of Springfield forever, then I'm a Republican right-wing nut job. Uh, let me see a couple more here. I want to. I just want to give the viewpoint from the other side of this. Uh, I pray for the neighborhoods who live with violence as well. To add, I have had numerous guests visit our city who say over and over how beautiful and friendly people are, who have offered directions or help in any way, shape, or form. Six three zero. There's nine million people in the Greater Chicago, and millions don't get shot every day. Eight one five. Chicago's reputation as a dangerous city goes way back in high school in nineteen eighty one. Our class went to Europe, and the joke was Chicago Bang Bang. We were told it had to do with the Al Capone legacy. Um, I'm skipping down here. I was in the city Sunday and witnessed thousands of screaming people and military jets buzzing the lakefront. Maybe Trump is right. Uh, I don't know what the military jets reference is. Anybody, is that just a was it because of Trump's visit ahead of time or something? I don't even know what that's about. Um. And there's some comments about the Ricketts family and, and holding the fundraiser and things of that nature, but those are all political. I'm just saying you got to defend this city. If you believe in it, you got to defend it. Uh, let's get to the newsroom now. And Steve's here. Uh, Ryan Burroughs here from the newsroom before we move forward with, uh, it sounds like an interesting bit of breaking news, possibly. Yeah, well, I don't know what to make of it, but Lori Lightfoot was supposed to have an event at a YMCA on the south side of Chicago at a location where kids have been going during the strike, right. uh, impacted by the strike, and she canceled it. Uh, she was supposed to speak to the media afterwards, and it says there's a scheduling conflict. Um, Which they would have known of yesterday. Yeah, I, 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 this seems interesting. I, I know the two sides are close. We, I don't, I don't want to say anything that doesn't exist right now, but I just want to put but in the world of possibilities because i don't have to you know uh, actually be biased or unbiased uh in a world <laughs> of possibilities the gut here would be that maybe they feel like there's a breakthrough and she needs to be part of that conversation it's quite possible i don't know all i know is she was supposed to be there she was supposed to talk to us and that's now off so and there is no protest going on at the schools this morning they're instead saving that up for a rally in the uh, uh lincoln yards development uh, later today so hmm. we're not even hearing anything from the union this morning well we're hopeful yeah, we'll and see. covering it in WGN News, as always. Thank you, Ryan. Yep. Uh, Michaela Runkle's here. Michaela is, um, are you a current PhD student? I am. Where? I'm in my first semester. It's called IUPUI, so Indiana sure. University, Purdue University. 
and uh, in your early 20s, you've come forward to talk about something which is deeply personal mm-hmm. in your business, but I think it's incredibly uh, great that you're doing this because I think more women need to have the courage to step up and talk about this. Mm, thank you. Uh, and I think it happens a lot more than we know. It does. I The current statistic is one in three women at some point in their life will suffer from domestic violence here in the United States. So in your early 20s, you were in a relationship that was good or, or maybe not so good at the time, and you you, you were victimized. I was, yep. I um, college boyfriend, first love, and I never saw this coming. Um, and the notion can be, well, he had too much to drink, or what did I do? Um, you know, he deserves a second chance, all those. I'm sure, I assume you went through some of those emotions. Oh, all of those emotions and more. <laughs> yeah, and uh, those in the big picture aren't helpful. Now, I have a policy. Mm. Boys don't hit girls. Mm-hmm. Now, I grew up in a household where my father was violent with my mother. Mm-hmm. And that type of stuff is incredibly painful for kids to go through. And I always encourage moms who are listening to this who go, I have no place to go. There are places to go. Yeah, You need to get out for you. You need to get out for your kids. Um, do we know if this guy is still a puncher? I have no idea. It was a one-time altercation. and But it changed your life. It did. It did. And... I I hope to bring a different conversation to the table in the sense it's very common from the outside looking in to say, just walk away. And so I wrote a book on how I survived the altercation, how I eventually walked away from the relationship. It took me about nine months afterward. But it is when you're in that abusive relationship, there's a, a mental hold, an emotional hold that a lot of people don't consider. And so walking away, thankfully, there weren't kids involved in the situation because that would have made it incredibly more difficult for me. Um, but to, to walk away from that situation in my early 20s, I didn't know where I was going, my future. Um, it wasn't as clear cut. Well, yeah, and I don't want people to hear judgment from me because mm. it's not not judgment. Yeah. Um, I, I'm saying salvation. So, you're right. You know, right. More than judgment for the sake of you and of your kids as quickly as you can mm-hmm. get to a safe situation. There's some great yeah. places to do that and some great places to rescue yourself. But I'm not saying it's easy at all. It's and, not. And abuse can run the spectrum. It can be physical. It can be emotional. Exactly. It can be mental. All, and usually it's a, com- a combination of all those things. It is. So it definitely started off as emotional. And it was a, a slow progression to the point I didn't realize that it was actually abusive at that point. Um, and being my first relationship, I, I couldn't de- decipher what was healthy, what was unhealthy. So I just thought these were normal attributes. And what I love about you coming forward and sharing your story is that I think especially for parents, grandparents listening, there's this idea that this can't happen to somebody that's very young. And this is happening right now to high school age. Mm-hmm. Uh, can happen to anybody, right? Yeah. It's happening to people that are in college. Right. Just because of someone's age doesn't mean that they can't be in an abusive relationship. Exactly, yeah. And it, like I said, it was something that I never saw coming. It actually happened the day after I took my last college final. So there's several stereotypes around domestic violence in general. And that was the hardest part. One of the hardest parts for me with the healing was I didn't necessarily meet these stereotypes. So, And what can you describe about some of those stereotypes and how your course. situation was different? Yeah. So immediately after the altercation happened, I didn't know where to turn. I had never been in the situation. Sure. I didn't know anybody that had been in the situation. So immediately reached out to friends and family. And I just started hitting walls of judgment everywhere I went. How could you find yourself in a toxic relationship? Why didn't you leave when you saw the emotional abuse get bad? How did you let it get physical? And that was devastating to me. Did you feel like? 
like nobody was hearing you. Exactly. And the tables were turning. Um, the reason why I was in this situation, it was my fault. And that was incredibly confusing for me. So I jumped on the internet and essentially just searched, why does domestic violence happen? And the top items on the list were domestic violence occurs in households of low socioeconomic status, households um, where there's low education levels, and it said in particular households of color. It was that general. It was. It was. And so <laughs> I'm disturbing is that on my bathroom floor at 22 years old and to be uh, completely frank bruised face concussion and i'm not meeting any of these connections i'm hitting judgment from friends and family i had never felt so isolated before in my life i didn't know where to go and so that's part of my premise of writing this book is this is a conversation in our culture one in three women will suffer and i believe it's one in seven men um don't quote me on that statistic will suffer from domestic violence at some point in their life it's so common but nobody's speaking of it and uh, the research that you were able to find was outdated i hear right it was it um it was all a generalized self-help model and the the number one step that all of these references had was just to leave and I didn't know how to just leave um, from the outsider looking in. I see how that would be easy. But once I was in that relationship, I mean, I, I talk about it in the book. It was an addiction. I didn't know how to walk away. He wasn't the bad guy to me. He was the man that I had fallen in love with. And I couldn't switch that mentality in my mind overnight that he he was going to be my future husband, going to be the father of my children. But then I'm supposed to hate him. What gave you the courage to finally do it? You know, honestly, it was a change of self. So over that nine-month period after the altercation to when I finally ended the relationship, um, I had started a master's program, and I started powerlifting, and I essentially just reinvented who I was as a person. The physical exercise part of it's a big deal, right? It was. It was a huge component to the healing. Um, I had never lifted a weight beforehand, but I wandered into the weight room immediately after with the mentality that I never want to be beaten to the ground again. That was the only thought. When you think about yourself in in your 20s, you don't really know. You're still figuring out who you are as a person let alone dealing with all of these 58 I'm still figuring it out (laughs) Uh, I want to talk more about your book when we come back of course texters can chime in at 312-981-7200 and you're also appearing you know everywhere uh, Mm -hmm. in discussions of this because this has become your mission yeah and we salute you for it oh thank you so much Michaela Runkle's a guest we'll tell you you can follow her on social too in a moment Michaela Runkle's here uh, Domestic Violence Awareness Month Uh, some of these times we have months uh, for various causes they sound trite but the point of these months is to draw attention to it in a more specific way what's the title of your book it's called dear world and uh where is it available or going to be available yeah so it's still actually under review at a publication company and i'm hoping to hear back any day now with a release date so as soon as that information is available i'll let you guys know how about following you on social of course. So my Instagram is mostly where I've been um, putting my information out about the book, and it's at Michaela underscore Runkle, spelled M-I-C-H-A-E-L-A underscore R-U-N-K-L-E. Okay. Um, again, as I said at the top, in case you're just tuning in, I salute you for doing this after mm-hmm. being a victim of domestic violence. Um, what do we need? You know, we mean well. Mm-hmm. We, the collective world, means well. You experienced some ridiculous reactions from people. I did. Some of which you were talking about off the air a moment ago. Move. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, women should listen to men. Those type of nonsense arguments. What do you want to tell young women who are in this situation or could be? So the entire time I was writing this book, there were points of it that were incredibly vulnerable. It's scary to share this part of my chapter with people. But... I just kept picturing the the 22-year-old version of myself that was laying on the bathroom floor, didn't know where to turn. And so I keep thinking about other women and men that will be in this position. All I want to tell them is that they're not alone, that 
I've unfortunately been in the spot and I, I understand. I might not understand the specifics because every relationship's different. Every altercation sure. is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But um, I couldn't find anybody that could look me in the eye and say they had been in my shoes. What happened to this guy legally? Legally, um, he essentially got off of the hook. He was given a three-hour anger management class. It was a three time, hours, three hours exclusively. I believe he might have gotten a misdemeanor too. I honestly don't know, but um, last I heard, anything that was on his record was able to be lifted. The reason I bring it up is uh, we don't want to scare women away from reporting it because mm-hmm. you don't want authorities to say you don't want people to think, well, the authorities aren't going to do anything anyway. The way to change that experience where men face the consequences they ought to face is more reporting, not less. Exactly. What would you recommend for people when they have a family member or friend confide in them that they are in this situation? You did not have the reaction, as Steve said, that you that really was helpful for you at that time. So what can people that maybe love somebody that's going through this, what can they do? What should they say? Yeah, so that's the second purpose of my book. First is primarily for the the future survivors, unfortunately, um, that they have community. Secondly, it's for the community surrounding that survivor. Because I did hit so many walls of judgment, the best piece of advice I can give is love. Just love them. And I think receiving so many air quote tips on how to survive the altercation from people that had never been in the situation was detrimental to me because their advice was not advice that I was capable of taking at the moment. I just needed somebody to let me have a safe place to feel and process out loud. So listen without judgment. Listen without judgment. Exactly. You wanted to be validated and you also wanted to needed to be reinforced that it was not your fault that there was nothing that you did that caused this and nobody deserves this type of abuse right at all and i'm not a trained mental health professional by any stretch of the imagination but in a way the way that they gave advice it was also treating me like the emotional victim it was he he had taken the reins on my life for so long that when people came alongside me with the bruised face and they were telling me what to do in a way it kept me under that emotional oppression of you can't make a decision for yourself so i needed help building my strength and my power so that i could leave the situation i could become an individual you know uh, you're a very strong person and uh, we salute you for that there are folks who maybe don't have that same level of strength right now but they could find it. You make a point in the notes that there's no one path to fix this Mm -hmm. for you. How do you find your path? For me personally, um, a lot of it came from introspection. So who am I as a person? How do I want to grow and evolve? And I only get one shot at this life. So how how do I want to spend it? And so reframing that, but also um, I had to reframe my mental strength which as i alluded to earlier came mostly from the gym that's where the the springboard was at if you will so going to the gym and figuring out that i can push my body to squat i can push my body to power lift uh that was there was a mental shift that occurred that i realized i'm capable of these things not only physically but mentally i can will myself into putting a plate on the bar and maybe two plates on the bar and so and then i also pursued my academics so as we said i'm working on my phd so from that i was able to become a future doctor and god bless you for it i want you to stay in touch with us and let you know how you let us know how you're doing and also when the book comes out but i want to plug a couple of things here and that is uh, in Indiana and Illinois, there's the Coalition Against Domestic Violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, the website is icadvinc.org. We'll obviously put it up as a link so you know it. Uh, and in Illinois, it's ilcadvinc.org. Anyway, great, great um, places to go. Mm-hmm. And the National Domestic Violence Hotline is uh, 877 863 
888-646-6338. Michaela Runkle, you are a hero. Keep mm-hmm. it up. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. I appreciate you being here. We'll come back with the news from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom next. Ladies and gentlemen. Dean Richards joins us from Channel 9. Citizens of the world. Some of the world's greatest entertainers are here tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present to you. And tonight, guess what? It's going to be Dean. Live in Channel 9 on a crap morning. That's a technical Excuse weather term. Me? Pardon me? The technical weather term. Uh, a crappy morning is uh, what we have outside. But on the inside, we have nothing but good feelings. Nothing but positive feelings. Because it's time for another Moron Entertainment. It couldn't be less crappy inside. Uh, you know, I was talking earlier about G on the show. She did something very nice for a friend yesterday. Spent the whole day in the hospital. Oh, my gosh. Not the whole day. With a friend. She was there for 28 hours. <laughs> and um, so I threw out this text question. What's a true friend? In 630, a true friend tells you when you're acting like a moron. <laughs> <laughs> we mean that in a good way. It's always a positive on this show. It's a compliment for you, too. Uh, how are you, Dean? I, uh, I'm fine. I'm fine. All right. Good talk. Um, See you tomorrow. <laughs> our friend Mark Carmen is here for Dave Ennett. And uh-huh. as you know, Mark's countdown to the wedding is really on now. We're in the well, f- when is that? Because I need to uh, plan my emotion-filled speech that I'm... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dean. Appreciate it. He asked me to, to do something, so I'm... Uh, I think what he, when he said do something, he meant don't come. I think that's one of what he wanted you to do. Not true. You're welcome to crash the wedding, Dean. No, November thirtieth. I've got a full uh, interpretive dance. <laughs> <laughs> what day of the week is November thirtieth? That's a Saturday. Steve. I've blocked out the whole weekend. Me You're too. officiating, Steve. I am. Yes. Oh, I guess you get ready. Didn't get that one through, but in spirit, Steve. In yeah. spirit, you're serving yeah. at the rehearsal dinner because I like I like me a nice rehearsal dinner. Yeah, and here's the thing: Dean and I look forward to coming to the rehearsal dinner. Mostly, that's just for family and people that have traveled. But we appreciate you making an exception. Dean crashed that one too. There's a small gathering. We got some pizza, some appetizers. You want to order the chicken Vesuvio? I'm sure they'll uh, they'll make it for you. And by the way, we've got a Lou Malnati's pizza for the first person at that event that says, "Who are the two morons?" <laughs> My favorite part of this conversation is the fact that. Mark is not he's not uh, kidding yeah he is not like he's like he seems beaten down I today know, are you getting serious. that it he, seems like he's come from some sort of trauma today yes he's making sure that you guys know that you can crash the wedding but as Mark, in you, you are not invited, yeah, you're not invited. <laughs> Mark you've been my friend for a long time I could read you like a book something's troubling you in life nah Steve I'm good I'm always good okay. come on I'm not, I, I fly above the clouds if we're not welcome at your wedding Steve and I can go crash anybody else's wedding yeah. that it's not like we only crash yours we do that almost every week <laughs> I'm so full of prime rib and mastacholi. <laughs> it's what the Not website was invented for. You know where all the weddings are. You can just show on up. Right. Just show up. That's right. Yeah. Who are those guys? And Dean and I do a very special version of the chicken dance, which we cannot repeat unless right. it's late night TV. Sometimes we use real chickens. <laughs> Steve, you may not know that uh, Dean and I did go to a Lou Malnati's opening event. Not together, but we were both there. We were both present. We we said hello. It was was wonderful. We spoke to each other. What? When did this (laughs) happen? There's this new Lou Malnati's in the Wrigley building, and we were were on the exclusive list. I don't know how I got on there, but I was on there. I'm not allowed in Wrigleyville. Uh, Wrigley Building, Steve. Oh, the Wrigley Building. Across from our old building. Right across from the old dump where we used to be. (laughs) 
By the way, for those of you who know and love this place, I am looking out at what's left of the Tribune Tower Isn't now. Isn't it heartbreaking? It really is. I mean, it looks like a third world bombed out facade of where we all spent years of our lives. Yep, I'm calling it Lebanon on Kinsey Street. Right? It's crazy. The, the whole back, they can't do anything to the front facade of the Tribune Tower because it's uh, got landmark status, but the back was an add-on addition that does not have landmark status and it's it's completely blown out it looks like it was it's in a war zone and where uh, we used to badly park our cars uh, in the back of the building uh, that's going to be a, like a huge tower, I guess, and that's right. all pitted out now as well. Yeah, and they're making a very thin hotel. I, I don't know the specifics, but I'm not making this up. There, there are um, uh, other buildings that have line of sight uh, rights to the lake, and therefore the hotel has to be super thin, right. so it's the, the other the other buildings don't have the view block. Is it going to be like one of those capsule hotels they have in Japan? It's like you can barely move in there. I think it's I think it's four hundred stories, but it's just one room <laughs> right. on each floor. Very thin room. <laughs> if you're thin, if you weigh over two hundred pounds, they won't even check you in. That's true. They, they weigh you when you come in, and they won't let yeah. anybody. Do they over realize yeah, how large the population is now? <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, large not meaning numbers, large yes. meaning numbers on the scale. Uh-huh. I'm sure it'll all be very nice when, once it's done over there, but I just think of the decades that we sat there inhaling diesel fumes from the right. loading dock. I'll always forget that very special morning when an epic flood of biblical proportions oh, occurred, right, right? and water came pouring down the marble steps yeah. and across the marble floors and knocked WGN off the air yeah. for 30 minutes in the morning. I don't think that had ever happened before. A lot of people said it was a message from Wally. Um, I couldn't get out of Traffic Central because it was in the engineering. I couldn't get out. And speak right. And speak. And Mary actually swam to save her life at one point. Um, but Bill Murdoch, our chief engineer, stood in ankle deep water, plugging and unplugging electrical things. That sounds yeah. very dangerous. Yeah. Thank yeah. God he didn't get electrocuted. I did exactly what you would expect me to do. I said, are we going to go do the show somewhere else or can he I left. go home? Yeah. Did you have around your galoshes? <laughs> I always wear my galoshes, otherwise mom gets mad. I think he's kidding about one. <laughs> can I just leave? <laughs> we were discussing at one point driving out to the transmitter site, which I believe... Elk Grove? I, I've not been there. Elk Grove, Elgin, yeah. somewhere. Oh, I think somewhere I'll... with an E. Yeah. And uh, we, were, we were talking about driving out there, and I went, how long is that going to take? <laughs> you it's couldn't very, be bothered it's very cool out at the transmitter site I, I was there one time when i first started they had a station picnic company picnic you know and it's very pretty out there it's open ground sure uh you know so you know we're sitting enjoying a nice picnic right underneath our radio towers and i that was the day i lost all my hair right right prior to that dean looked just like phil specter when he was on trial for murder <laughs> yep <laughs> Taylor Swift's in the news, says Arnold Schwarzenegger. John Cena is in the news. Uh, Prince, Katy Perry, Ed Sheeran, Liz Taylor, and more all coming up. You'll be calling his name. Hey, 20, this is the point in the concert, Dean, each morning where I normally introduce the band. Yes. Uh, there's Jisoo Ki. She's a uh, bass. Mark Carmen's in for Dave Ennett on bongo drums. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Uh, Super Joe's in here. Super Joe plays electric guitar because the chicks lig, uh, dig the uh, guitar guy. <laughs> and they lig them, too. They lig them. No, they lig them. I'm going to say lead guitar because really there's no show without Super Joe leading it the whole thing. That's exactly oh, right. Wow. And uh, uh, Viv is our road manager, so she's rarely available. She's, <laughs> she's always on the phone. Yeah. Uh, Backstage wearing a satin jacket. 
Mary does that little dance thing in the background where she sings background vocals. <laughs> and I'm on keyboard. And keyboard, that's right. Of course, Ooh. Steve Grzanich is our drummer because he likes to bang on things. I thought Carm was the drummer. Uh, no, Carm. Oh, bongos. 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 Percussion. Yeah, yeah percussion. Upside it's more down. of the Sheila E type. Or Matthew McConaughey style. And of course, I'm the lead singer because I got moves like Jagger. And so. you play the tambourine. <laughs> that's right. That's all I play. <laughs> like and Dean's our special Dean's our special guest duet who comes out of the shadows and the audience right. goes crazy. Steve and I do endless love. <laughs> <laughs> A couple of texts for you, Dean. 847, any thoughts on Sean Spicer still being on Dances with the Stars or Dancing with the Stars? Uh, Can you spell publicity stunt? Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. I'm so mad about this. No reason in the world he should, uh, I mean, just from dance quality that he should still be on there. But people are watching because they want to see the train wreck. Last night he was dressed like Frankenstein. So he had the makeup full force, except he kept smiling through the makeup. And it just looked weird to see, like, a Frankenstein. You know, <laughs> so smiling like, and he was dancing like that, very stiff. Didn't he do that at one of the early press conferences also? Where he smiled? No, where he was dressed like Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah, I think every one that he gave. Uh, Ray Romano, we were talking about Ray Romano and how good he is in The Irishman. Yep. Uh, Dean pointed that out. And somebody was um, um, saying, Dean, another movie, Ray Romano was great in The Big Sick a couple of years yeah. ago. Yeah, well, absolutely, with uh, Kumail Nanjiani. Yeah. Uh, he was very good in that. This, this is a whole new level. I mean, this he's Ray Romano is co-starring with De Niro, Pacino, and uh, Joe Pesci. Yeah, you know who would have thought that when he was with his, you know, doing Everybody Loves Raymond on TV that that would ever happen. I mean, not since Godfather Two, which I was in as a child, has there ever been a surprise performance like this? Right. Remember when Tim Allen co-starred with Marlon Brando? <laughs> The weird part about Godfather 3, if you didn't see it, is Gilbert Gottfried became the Godfather. (laughs) (laughs) That's why they lost a lot of credibility. All right, tell me about Taylor Swift. Uh, Taylor Swift is involved. uh, Well, there was a lawsuit a year ago in which uh, a uh, a couple of songwriters came forward and said that her song, Shake It Up, uh, was uh, a ripoff of a song that they did three years prior. Shake It Up. Yeah. Listen, listen, we've got we've got examples of both. So here, right, here we go. Here's Taylor. Alright. So the main the main chorus right. of this song, uh, players players are gonna play, haters gonna hate. We don't we had a technical problem. We don't have the other one that we they, don't have the other no, one. No. Okay, well the other one is <laughs> So describe it, Dean. How close is it? (laughs) Sing it, Dean. Play is gonna play. Hate is gonna hate. That's. I mean, that's basically how the song goes. The the song itself is not similar, but the words "play is gonna play, hate is gonna hate." That's pretty coincidental. It is. Both of those things should be in the same song. So uh, the case was thrown out a year ago. Yesterday, a federal appeals court. Uh, said that the case now should be revisited and judged by a jury, not by a judge, uh, that the song, which is by the group 3LW, uh, should uh, should be reconsidered again. So it's it's been remanded. 
uh, Taylor Swift's attorneys are expected to seek a dismissal once the from the decision that came out yesterday. We know a little bit about this because Dean and I did an album about a year ago called More Morons, and uh, or was it More from the Morons? And uh, one of the songs we did was uh, something called uh, Hokey Pokey 2019, and uh, suddenly the Hokey Pokey people came out. And we're right. very upset about it. Yeah, we thought that put your left foot in was you know kind of public domain. How do you copyright that? How do, anybody can put their left foot Please. in, take their left foot out shake it all about we didn't know that that was owned by anybody if i'm taylor swift instead of taking the time to go to court i drive by the house of the people that filed this lawsuit and i just throw hundreds out the window and say leave me alone <laughs> let's be done let's be done with it all uh arnold uh, schwarzenegger caught in the fire he uh his home uh close enough to the getty fires that are taking place this is an area where there are a lot of celebrity homes a lot of high-priced real estate uh yesterday he tweeted out that uh, he uh evacuated and urged people who are in the evacuation zones don't try to play it tough don't try to stay there uh to also get out lebron james also had to evacuate his home and he was uh he tweeted out that he's driving around trying to find a place for his family hard to believe that lebron would have to like drive around looking for a motel six but that's how weird would that be like if you're you know yeah because motel rooms and hotel rooms are taken you, you're lebron james you pull up and go hey man got no room <laughs> no vacancy he's got to have a friend somewhere right you think i'm thinking what did prince say about katie perry and ed sheeran well they found some uh some notes uh they uh, there's a new book that's coming out today about uh, prince and they found some personal notes some handwritten notes uh in amongst prince's uh, belongings uh in which he apparently did not care for the music of katie perry or ed sheeran these were notes that would eventually be used in a book uh, that he, there was a there was a cooperating author on a super fan uh, and uh, yeah and there's stacks and stacks of them so what do you say about these two? well this one of the notes said uh, we need to tell them Katy Perry and Ed Sheeran uh, you keep trying to ram your music down our throats <laughs> and we don't like it no matter how many times you play it ouch oh my ouch wow so that's all all that and much more is in this new book that's called the beautiful ones uh, that comes out today. No word from uh, Katy Perry or Ed Sheeran on that. Dean's got coverage of John Cena being very generous and a Liz Taylor biopic coming up. But we're giving away a certificate for a desktop pre-lit sports-themed artificial tree from Tree Time Christmas Creations in Lake Barrington. Dean, say something in Greek. Uh, uh, All right. First person to translate what Dean just said at 312-981-7200 wins that fabulous prize. Say it one more time. Efkaristo. And uh, Viv is disqualified. Yeah, Viv can't play the game. Uh, So, uh, of course, now Superdrug doesn't speak Greek, so we're going to have to get a translation from him. Oh, you do? Okay, he knows. And I will talk to you tomorrow. Fatty (laughs) Stowe. I think it means goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) That's Moron Entertainment for today. And by the way, collect the entire set of Moron Entertainment broadcasts. We're uh, putting them together for you, and uh, for a reasonable price, they can be yours. Oh, I'm being told I can't sell any of that. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, coming up, it's uh, news. Uh, we'll get your uh, headlines update sort of thing in just a second. Time to talk to the coach, head coach Jeremy Colleton. Let me tell you something. I haven't said this before, G, on the show. Hawks are good to you tonight. <laughs> Oh, I feel like I've heard you say what? that. 
Uh, Hawks uh, are on a uh, hot streak. One in a row, and we'll take every one in a row second of it because that's a start. That's what you need to break the sh- get off the schneid, which is a Canadian word that means win more. Uh, and uh, that's exactly what the Hawks schneid? are going to do now. Yeah. Yeah, Schneid used to play defense for the Maple Leafs. Yeah. yeah, Schneid. Coach Jeremy Carlton joins us now, and the boys look good Sunday night. Yeah, we uh, had a good game. I mean, it's uh, the big thing is just to get a little positive reinforcement for doing some good things, and hopefully we can, uh, you know, use that momentum to have another good effort tonight. It's going to be big test. So we 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 got to continue to do the things we've been doing and and improve. Now here's the thing: when Dylan Strom, uh, you know, is is one of the little engines that could, I think it's a part and parcel of the depth of this team and how good this team can be. Because honestly, if Taves and Kane and Sod, I mean, if they're on the score sheet every night and you got to have them to win, you're not going to win all the games you need to win. But if you spread it around the roster, now you got something. So it was great to see him being a guy, number one star. Yeah, that was big. Uh, certainly for his confidence to uh, you know have. He's an offensive player, wants to produce. So when he's able to you know contribute, it's going to make him feel good about himself. Um, and that's I, I agree with what you say about our team. Like I think that's been one strength. Uh, the guys further down the lineup have played really well, and uh, you know, that bodes well for the future because I know the top guys are gonna they're gonna come through and they're gonna produce for us, and we're gonna score on the power play and all those things. And we, I think we can go on a run. Uh, G is going to ask you a non-hockey question coming up. This is how she wants to contribute to whenever we talk to you, Coach. She said she wants to ask you a non-hockey question. I just want you to get ready, ready for it. Okay. Just Thanks. get ready. Thanks, uh, Coach. Uh, Mark Carmen's here for Dave Ennett. What's your thoughts, Mark? Oh, Jeremy, good to be with you this morning. Good morning. Uh, the Hawks, of course, so you guys making a trade yesterday with Brendan Perlini, and he had only uh, played in one game this year, you know, seven minutes of ice time. That couldn't have been easy for you, and I know you've talked about it, but having a guy who wants to be out there but is not right now fitting into your plan. So I'm sure you w- wish him well. And, and what do you know about Alec Regula? Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, you know, tougher on him than me. You know, i I got to make the decision to put put the lineup together. But he, you know, Pearls really wanted to play, and I think he's worked. He worked hard off the ice and was a great uh, teammate, you know, throughout uh, throughout all this but uh, ultimately we we feel like we have a pretty deep roster and, and uh, we had the other guys ahead of them so for him to get the opportunity somewhere else is is uh, good for him i hope he does really well and i know uh you know the organization the the scouts and, and stan in particular really excited about uh, the defenseman we we got back and hopefully he can contribute down the road so uh, let's talk about tonight for a second. Uh, as a matter of fact, Carmes, what time are we doing pregame tonight? That would be seven o'clock, Steve. And now, what time does the puck drop? That's a seven thirty puck drop. And who will we be seeing tonight? Who are we going to be hearing about? We're going to be we're going to be crushing the Nashville Predators. That's exactly right. Now, aside from the disgusting yellow color of the Predators sweaters, <laughs> Coach, I have to admit that's a good hockey team. Yeah, they are. They're they're an excellent team, and they've had a good start. And um, you know, they got they got depth. They got depth on the fence. They got depth on, up front, and uh, they have good goaltending. So uh, it's it's going to be a challenge. It's a tough rink to to play in. We're really going to focus on the start. We want to be we've got to be sharp in the first ten minutes. Uh, typically, they come out really hard. So um, you know, that's good for our guys to to know. There's no secrets. Like we've got to be ready, and hopefully, we'll respond. 
How are you handling uh, Brent Brent Seabrook right now, Coach? I mean, here's a legend uh, who you had, was a healthy scratch uh, for only the second time in his career on Sunday. He obviously wants to be out there too, and you guys are trying to win games. I, I know that that can't be easy either because he certainly wants to be on the ice. Yeah, I mean, everyone wants to play, and uh, you know he's a big part of the you know the team and the dressing room, and uh, you know huge personality, extremely well well liked, and uh, yeah, I mean he's going to be a part of things. It's not you know just because you sit at one game does it's not it's not it doesn't mean you're out. Um, so you know we know he can contribute, and we know he can help us win, and, and that's what he's got to focus on. What makes DeBrinket so good? I mean, he weighs forty seven pounds. Uh, he's thirteen years old, and yet he's one of the best players in the league. <laughs> Well, he's uh, he's a very smart player. He, he knows how to find space. Um, you know, I think he, even like the, the goals last game. You know, we just he kind of darts in at the right time, and and uh, then he he doesn't need that much space either to get a shot off, which is uh, you know obviously a, a big part of his arsenal. And uh, you know, his shots, uh, his release is fantastic. He can score from almost every, everywhere in the offensive zone. Um, we were talking about Stevie Eiserman last week because I know he's one of the idols you had growing up as a kid. Is he in a Stevie Eiserman type, or does he remind you of somebody else? Um, yeah, he's probably more of a, you know, like a Brad Hall type, you know, where he finds the space and doesn't doesn't need much time to get a one timer off. He kind of disappears in the offensive zone, and and then he appears, uh, you know, in time for a one timer, and then it's in the net. As fast as this game has become, you still have to have physical strength, and there's awfully big guys out there, especially when you slap skates on them. You worry about him getting whacked around a little bit because of his size, or is he good enough to be in the right place as opposed to the wrong? Yeah, no, he's he, he's good. He, he can find the you know, like I said, he can find the soft areas, and you know, there's times you know where he's going to have to take a hit to make a play. And actually, last game he had a couple hits. He, he uh, had a, you know the one in the second period. I remember in particular, he had a great forecheck, and he, he went after their D and he ran him over. And um, that's that's something that uh, you know really earns the respect of your teammates when you do that. Um, you know, there's a lot. It's the game. There's there's definitely room for for smaller players now, and it's not just a big man's game anymore. And I think he's a perfect example of that. The goalie tonight for the Preds um, is Boo Worthy. Uh, he's really like I, I like I admit, he's really good. He's one of the best in the league. Who's in net for us? <laughs> I'll let you know soon. Almost had him. Did you notice that? I almost had him. So casual. Mm-hmm. I liked it. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, though, we're in a great position to have Crawford and Leonard. And Leonard, the I mean, Leonard could stop anything. Leonard's better than one of them video doorbells. He knows what's coming. You know what I mean? You know what I mean, G? You know what I'm talking about? Totally. All right, G, what's your question for the coach? So, Coach, this may require a follow-up, depending on how you answer this. I am wondering okay. if you are a breakfast person. Um, I'd say not every day. Not, so, okay. I think one well, now, but now that I'm a coach, I got to try to avoid. Uh, I'm trying to avoid getting coach body. You know, so <laughs> I got I can't can't eat all the meals. What is your favorite go to breakfast if you do have it? Mm, probably, I wouldn't call it a go to because it doesn't. You know, you don't get it very often. But I like. Uh, no, smoked salmon bagel. Ooh, Ooh lox. Yeah. Mm, well, that's like pretty this. healthy, too, because yeah. training table in uh, professional <laughs> sports usually involves about 6,000 calories per meal. <laughs> 
because these guys are working hard out there. Coach, looking forward to tonight. One update. 6.30 pregame, Carm. 6.30. We're in Nashville. Right. 6.30 pregame tonight. 7 o'clock puck drop with John and Troy. And Coach, seven? Oh, get a win, Coach. Glad we, glad we sorted that out. Thank you. All right, buddy. Thanks. <laughs> Take it easy. Uh, that's Coach John Colleton. I hope to collect so many what random facts. What I see, John? Jeremy Colleton. John's his uh, brother. <laughs> Cousin? John Colleton. Where'd that come from? What did you say, I'm sorry? I said, uh, I'm going to, my goal is to collect a lot of random facts, so that way, by the end of this, you're going to know a lot about Coach. So, like, next time, you're going to go, are you a dog person? Time after that, are you a lunch person? It's going to be random. I'm going to surprise you guys. You will okay. never know. I Sometimes can't wait they could be do boxers and briefs. <laughs> huh? yeah. Are you a breakfast person, G? Mm, not really. But if I do breakfast, then I do the brunch on the weekend. Oh, we should have a chef on the show. With everything. We should have a chef standing by. I like sweet, by. savory, I like a little bacon, eggs, a waffle, or pancake on the Don't you think a chef side. on the show could yeah, get this stuff? You Mimosa. know a lot of chefs. They're not going to a chef. They're not going to get up this early. Well then, well, then you need to lean on them, then, don't you? <laughs> that Denny sampler? <laughs> Let's go. The ones that don't go to bed. They just stay up all night. It's 848. The uh, Steve Cochran Show continues. Uh, the lovely and talented Anna Devontis is here. Finally came to her senses and left the Royal Concert no, just minutes ago. That's what? Yay, you're joining us! Hi, I'm G. so excited! Hi, Mark. Well, that's not true. No, 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 no. I, I'm here for a very special reason. I want to introduce you to the folks from Dream On. Kelly Haywood, someone I met at uh, an event not too long ago. I met her through friends. And she just, well, her, her spirit is infectious about helping others. And I'll let Kelly tell what she does and who she has here with her. Yeah, Kelly, I hear you're a rock star. And everything I look through in the notes uh, seems to back that up. Thank you so much. Well, first of all, thank you guys so much for having us. Of course. Us. Um, so I'm Kelly Haywood, founder and executive director of Dream One Education. What is that? What is Dream One? Yeah, so we're a nonprofit for high-achieving, low-income middle school students. We partner okay. with different schools throughout Chicago, all over the city. So um, these good-looking people are all 6th to 8th graders? All 6th to 8th graders. Um, from pre- Boy, back there's got yeah. some size yeah. on them. Yeah. This guy right here in the red coat is going to be about 8 foot 4. Yeah, we got a lot of um, student athletes and um, high-achieving scholars, so we're very excited to be here. Well, it's exciting to see everybody. And these are kids who get it done in the classroom. Absolutely. And a huge part of our programming is providing those um, that access to opportunities and resources and experiences like this. So we're excited today to learn more about broadcast journalism and get that behind-the-scenes experience. So we really about appreciate that. you Yeah. Guys. What inspired you to take this on as a personal crusade? Yeah. So both of my parents are... I'm originally from Kansas City, Missouri, born and raised there. Uh, both of my parents are first-generation college graduates. So I have a lot of family members and friends sure. either lived in or currently live in low-income communities that simply need access to resources and opportunities. And so this is very near and dear to my heart. And, you know, these students are, are really other ones that are really going to get it up. When some of these schools are under-resourced, right? One of the things Kelly explained to me at first was that these are already high-performing kids. They already get it academically, but they need exposure to careers, jobs, things that are going on sure. in the world so that as they set their dreams, they can see what paths they might want to take. And that right. is such an important step for any of us who come from families whose parents did not go to college or you would do that kind of thing you you don't necessarily understand what your opportunities are until you see them mm-hmm. and understand them and meet professionals in those fields well, i think you also kelly don't you have to expose kids to believe that anything's possible absolutely but, this is it's, it's really what the program is all about we're kind of playing on that idiom of dream on like you know it's not you know people may say may, 
people may assume that things are not going to happen, but we tell our students that there's nothing that they can't do. Um, the sky it. truly is the limit. So we're so happy that you're here, but what are some of the other experiences that you expose the kids to? Yeah, absolutely. So we will be going to, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Flatiron. Um, they are a tech uh, incubator in school. We'll be actually going there tomorrow. Uh, we'll be going to a Bulls game. We'll, uh, we've done cooking classes, museum visits, uh, different company visits throughout the city. So a huge part of our programming really is to provide as many opportunities as possible and get that ro- those robust experiences. Well, I'm sure you have a list, but I mean, if, if Big Shots are listening now and said, I'd love to have these kids come see what we do, they yeah. can get a hold of you on the website? Yes, absolutely. So dreamoneducation.org. Um, as far as social media, it's dreamoneducation on Instagram and at dreamonorg on Twitter. Um, and then you can always email me uh, directly at kelly.haywood at dreamoneducation.org. And that's right. Kelly with an I. Anna and I have known each other forever. She listened to me when she was a child. Um, <laughs> we'll go with that. Yes. And uh, uh, you get pitched a lot of organizations, so it's easy to see why you're fired up by Kelly. I was so fired up. And when Kelly just told me, you could tell it's in her heart. She's so passionate about it, and she's a rock star, and, and she could do so many things, and this is what she chooses to spend her time to help others and really reach out into communities and get these sure. kids exposed to things that otherwise they may not see and do. And I, I've just met a couple of them very briefly. You can tell they've got a lot to offer the world, and it's just a matter of just saying, hey, let's let's show you what's out there. Well, we should talk to somebody. Who's the spokesperson here? Who wants to talk yeah. on the radio with me? Come here. Come on, Come on over, over here. here. Stand right there next to G, if you oh, would, my friend. Here. You can share my... Come on. Step so Get in there, bud. What's your name? Richard. Richard. And uh, Richard, what's your last name? Rags. What do you want to do when you grow up? I want to play sports, basically. Really? What, you, what are you good at? I'm good at football, but I could play basketball a little bit. Okay, so you get out there, you're practicing, but you know how important grades are, obviously, because you're getting it done. What do you like about school school? I like like science, math, those two of my favorite classes. What are you best in? I'm better at reading, though. Yeah, okay. Well, maybe you're an English major, science major, math major. Maybe you're all three. Yeah. Everything's possible, right? It's a triple threat. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm talking about. Um, And uh, where'd you get the nickname Rags? My father. That's cool. I like that. And that's not my nickname. My nickname actually Beans. Beans? Because <laughs> when I was born, I was a very small baby. Okay. But like a little bean. Yeah. Okay. I thought maybe because you ate a lot of beans. <laughs> not so much. But you're small like a bean. Beans are small. Well, you got a great smile, buddy. Thank you. Show that off. And he's not he's not small anymore. He's yeah. tall. Strong. Yeah. Strong Absolutely. like bull. Yeah. Nice to meet you. And on the count of three, everybody say your first name and how much you made last year. One, two, three, go. Amaya Moore. <laughs> oh, only Amaya does it. Go Amaya. Come here, Amaya. You got to step On the count of three. One, two, three, everybody. There you go. Now I feel like we know him. Super everybody have a chance. I'm sure also donations help as well. Absolutely. Um, and where can people go to donate to, for yeah. this cause? Absolutely. So dreamoneducation.org forward slash donate. Um, we have a lot of exciting things coming up uh, this year. We're, one of our biggest fundraisers is our spring fundraiser um, in May. So it's got a little time. Yeah. It's not quite, not yet. But it will be. But it will be. But dreamoneducation.org forward slash donate. And it's just 25 bucks uh, provides food and transportation for one student for one field trip. Well, so that's all you need. Yeah. But we need Amaya to represent the ladies here. Amaya, say a quick hello. Hi. All right. And, uh, <laughs> and Amaya, favorite part about school? Uh, it, I will say history. Because I love learning about my history. I love that. Yeah. 
All right, you guys, thanks for coming over. Thank you. Thank Enjoy you. Enjoy your visit with Anna yeah. Thank you. We're thanks, back Steve. with the news in the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom next. Zero thought of throwing the football. Zero thought of running the football. You understand me? That's exactly what it was. So it's as simple as that. Uh-oh, we're having our first fight. Honeymoon's over. Adam Hogue joins us. Adam Hogue. Remember when we all loved each other, Nagy and us? Yeah, you know, he still, even last week, he called us his friends. Yeah. I think, you know, honestly, maybe we need some time apart. <laughs> Either that or we need to get into counseling immediately. Because as it stands right now, Matt Nagy's mad at us, and we're mad at Matt Nagy. So, um, he sort of doubled down, even though that's my least favorite phrase now, on not changing a thing about the play call at the end. Yeah, and I still... I. I still don't think this was my biggest problem with this game, but I, I do find it a little odd that he's not even open to entertaining the questions about why you wouldn't run the football there. Right. Uh, you know, I actually agree with them that, hey, make the 41-yard field goal. You're an NFL kicker, that, and you've been kicking the ball pretty well so far this season. He did miss the 33-yarder earlier in the game. But I agree with them that you got to expect your kicker to make that kick. Now, that being said, it's first down. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of time, and that's the thing I'm struggling with. Okay, so let's say you get a penalty, which is what he was worried about. Okay, you still have more time. You still have more downs. Right. You could get that, that yardage mm-hmm. back. If you miss the kick, the game's over. There's no other scenario. The game is over. And so I just don't think the weighing of the – if you're going to think negatively, I don't think he weighed the negative outcomes correctly. Is he uh, stubborn and uh, protective, or is he frighteningly clueless? Uh, I think he's still a young coach trying to figure this out, if that makes sense. Sure. You know, like like anything else in any job that we have, you, you need to learn from your mistakes until you commit those mistakes. Uh, you can't learn from them now. It, when it comes to this specific thing about setting up a uh, potential game-winning field goal, I'm going to bring up Miami last year against the Dolphins, where it was it was third and four, and he decided to run the football very conservatively instead of throwing the ball there, and settled for a 53-yard field goal that Cody Parkey missed, and that's certainly not a chip shot from 53 yards. Right. So I would have hoped he would have learned from that scenario last year in a game they lost, and realized that even though this is 41 yards compared to 53, you still got to if you have time and you have downs, do everything you can to make the field goal easier on your kid. Yeah, don't quit playing. I mean, you know, 58 yeah. minutes, you're, you're 58 and a half minutes, you're playing. No question. Adam, by the way, my name is Mark Harmon, WGN Sports. Good to be with you this morning. Nice to meet you. How do you think this reverberates in the locker room, right? I'm wor- the offensive line, hey man, we've been clearing up holes all day. Did you see the stats for David Montgomery? Hey man, I'm David Montgomery. I just ran 27 times for a hundred. Question. I mean, I don't, I, that couldn't feel great, I would think, in there, or maybe they just don't pay attention. No, they do, and I like to remind people that these uh, players are also human beings, and they go home to their wives and girlfriends and kids on Sunday night, and they ask the same questions we're asking. They do. They're, they're human beings, and, and it's even more so. I mean, just even think of like any team you ever played on. You're always questioning your head coach. 
That's part. Of, that's part of sports, and so uh, it's up to Matt Nagy because I think it's a fair point, Carm. These guys are going to be asking the same questions. They're going to say, "Hey, coach, what you said in your press conference uh, doesn't really sound like you have a whole lot of faith in us." And so uh, it, I think it's up to Matt Nagy this week to make sure. And this is probably the biggest part of his job right now is just to make sure things aren't going off the rails. Make sure these guys still trust him. And I still do believe from that standpoint, we can talk about the offense here in a, in a second, but from the standpoint of the t- the players believing in him, I still think he has the locker room. And I don't even think he's on the verge of losing it. I do think we are starting to enter, though, um, some dangerous times that he needs to be careful with. Um, what is it about the offense that I find most troubling? Because I don't want to leave it just at Trubisky, or should I? Uh well, big picture, he's the biggest problem. Right, there's no question. I just want to make it clear that I gave it a chance. I tried to be fair. <laughs> I know. Well, I, I, he's not the only problem, but he's the biggest problem because every it's the NFL, it's football. Everything runs through your quarterback. You can't if you can't trust your quarterback, you're going to look bad as an offense coordinator, uh, and your decisions aren't always going to make sense. You're going to have a moment where you run the ball on third and nine. Uh, third and goal from the nine-yard line, which makes no sense. And then in the fourth quarter, when you have a lead, all of a sudden now you're throwing the ball, and the the quarterback turns it over twice, and then at the end of the game, you go back to being conservative and you kneel. I mean, these things just aren't jiving, but it's partly because I think the head coach is struggling to know exactly what he can trust his quarterback to do right now. Um, What I wrote about yesterday on WGNRadio.com is the fact that I think what we're realizing here is that the best way for the Bears to move the football and what their offensive identity probably is, is to line up in heavy run packages and run the football. A lot of I formation. They averaged 8.6 yards per play out of the I formation on Sunday, which is really, really good. And when they weren't in the I, when they were doing Matt Nagy's shotgun, the results weren't as good. So here's the problem. I think the Bears' offensive identity, which they've been searching for the whole season, they may have found it. It doesn't exactly match the coach's offense, though. So can Matt Nagy accept that fact and change things up here the rest of the season? If he can't accept that, I think this offense is still going to be a problem. So, but if you think big picture, you're three and four. You have to have a quarterback that can throw the ball down the field. To get to the playoffs, the Bears would have to go seven and two. I think we would all agree that's fairly unlikely at this point. Don't you just let Mitchell Trubisky throw the ball thirty plus times a game, see if he can figure it out, and if not, at the end of the year, you just move on? I'd argue we've already figured out he can't do that. Okay, well then, I, I try to win as many football games as you can right now. I mean, I know it's unlikely, um, but I think you saw a, a, a scenario on Sunday. Uh, we all would agree, right? The Bears should have been up like twenty-four nothing early in this game. Sure, with all those red zone opportunities, they could have blown out the Chargers. They could have been four and three. They could have had a quarterback feeling better about himself. I, I think the better approach here with Trubisky is to take baby steps and work, maybe work him back up into. Uh, that what you just said, Carm, which is allowing him to throw the ball downfield. He needs confidence right now. And I think the best way to accomplish that is to continue to run the football and mix in the opportunities where you let him throw the ball, not just put it all on his shoulders. When you did that early in the fourth quarter, he turned the ball over twice. And it, that's just not working right now. What's the deal with the hand warmers? Right? Well, it's 60 so, degrees. It's Why so weird. I actually, Why does he have hand warmers? 
I didn't even notice that until OB was upset about it. Well, it was Hamp, mostly Hamp, but um, yeah. Hamp pointed out you got monsters in the midway t-shirts on the sideline on big dudes, and then you got the quarterback with hand warmers at 60 degrees. Well, when he fumbled the ball and he's trying to get off the field, he's looking around for his hand yeah, warmer. Is there a physical thing going on there? I, I, uh, <laughs> Do you have a circulation I issue? I can go to Hal's today, shake his hand, and see how, you know. If the, <laughs> see if it's cold? Yeah, maybe his hands are cold. Super Joe has an important question. Super Joe. Adam Hogue, the NFL trade deadline is at 3 o'clock today. Are the Bears going to trade for Cam Newton? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Bring it in. No, no. I, no. How about uh, the much less sexier C.J. Beathard? <laughs> Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers. Yeah, I know you're on the Philip Rivers train. What? What's he? He's like 55 now. 38. Come on. Okay. Yeah. I'm good. How about uh, the bean for Philip Rivers and Tom Brady? That <laughs> because that way, if one of them drops dead of old age, the other one's going to be available. Give me you Jay. Know what, you know what trade I like? That's not going to happen. But uh, if you went out and you got Austin Hooper, the talented tight end in Atlanta, mm-hmm. they have they don't have a tight end right now. Yeah, that's a problem. That's a problem. He could really help the offense. I don't think. Plus, it's, it's a great happen. NFL name, Austin Hooper. Hoopa. How about Colin Kaepernick? What's he doing? <laughs> not Go marry. To, Come on. Not, al- not allowed to play football, apparently. Yeah. 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 Bring him on. Yeah, the ultimate definition of blacklist, Colin Kaepernick. Um, you know, but that's a whole different cultural argument. Adam, Quick, how are you doing after Northwestern, Wisconsin, and the Bears? Yeah, you must have some sort of PTSD. There's, it's been a rough couple football weeks. My fantasy team has lost two straight too. I mean, there's really there's been no touchdowns in my life. It's no, it's not. Maybe that's your personal life, none of our business. Adam Hogue, this is Jisuki. <laughs> what do you do to unwind and de-stress? Wow, a pedicure. <laughs> I don't know if I want to admit this, but I have had a pedicure before in my yeah. life. Ah, do you you buff and get get the nails shiny? Uh sure. <laughs> I don't. I think I just sat there and said, "Do whatever you do." I don't know what this. Here's is. the thing. You, hated, I'm proud of you. You hated ask Adam Hogue. Geez, grilling me on pedicures now. I mean, come yeah, on. This, that, that's the pedicure question. Still better than ask Adam. Hogue. Okay, well, careful because I might bring it back. Uh, you have a live uh, podcast coming up. What when? Uh, a week from Thursday, November seventh, Kroll South Loop, sponsored by Goose Island. I love Rudy. that joint. Yeah, try the t- t- try the tater tots. <laughs> the tater tots are good there. Yeah, they are. No, and we're really excited about. It. So you know, whatever's going on with the Bears, we're gonna be there. We're gonna have fun. We're gonna talk football, and we're gonna you know we're we're here to help Bears fans get through this. That's what we do. <laughs> now you're therapists. Hey, whatever it takes, man. Whatever it takes. Uh, thank you, buddy. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. That's Adam Hogue. And, of course, WGNRadio.com is where you find all sorts of Hogue links and stuff. At 920, we'll come back, and I'll ask Carm the questions about his relationship. They're none of my business. So stand by for that. <laughs> Can't wait. Uh, and still to come, Juliana and Bill Rancic. So we'll talk to them coming up, too. First, this break. All right. It is uh, 924. Our friend Mark Carmen's here. How many days till the wedding? Oh, about 30, Steve. And uh, your lovely fiance's name is? Uh, her name is Chelsea. Let me see. How many days until <clears throat> November 30th? 32 days, Steve. And uh, is everything in order? Any details still need to be tied might, up? Might be a couple details that uh, are little loose ends here, Steve. Last thing you thought about? Everything. Oh, you're fighting about everything? No, no, no. We're, we're good. We uh, the, uh, the last thing, I didn't properly 
support. Well, you know, we, we fought about the vanilla cake and the, and the banana cake, Steve, because we we have a cake and you can have two flavors uh, in the cake. And so we decided on one would be chocolate, and then there was a there was a vanilla and a banana and a pumpkin, and we we whittled it down to the banana and, and the vanilla. And and I I thought that the banana was a little more moist and, and just it just tasted better and she she thought that was a little bit off the board but i i ended up winning on the cake it's actually the only thing i won on steve we're gonna there's gonna be a banana option well i was going to say that's a ridiculous argument to have just let her do what she wants but maybe the only thing you went on period have you been listening that's important thank have you, you been, i know i mean you have you been listening yeah, her? she didn't. She didn't congratulate no, you. She asked I a question. I see. He wasn't listening to me. Did right. you see that? Yeah. Um, you need to make sure that you're listening and supporting her because it's stressful for her. Listening to what exactly? Every word. <laughs> Paying attention so that she feels every, validated. <clears throat> every word she says. Every word about the wedding, and just nod and say yes. That's a great no, idea. No, no, because no, that's not no, really no, no. listening. No, uh, listening and participating. And participating may be nodding and agreeing, but it also might be, "What if we did this?" I feel like I'm getting some real coaching right or now. Or it could yeah. be, I think, uh, honey, it's your call on this one because I feel like I've it's done that. More important for you. I've done that, G. Okay. I'm, I'm really good at that one. Every moment, 24 hours a day. Whatever you need. Let me ask you a question. Do women, do women need to hear, and is it a good thing to say, this day, I want this day to be perfect for you. It's a big day for both of us, but I want it to be perfect for you. I can't speak for all women. I haven't been in this situation, but I would imagine that I think, yes, that's a great thing to hear. And then she would say, well, it's also about you too, honey, but really it's about me. Yeah, because she knows it's about her. But I'm just I'm just asking out loud. Like Mary Vanderbilt, would you want to hear that at a wedding? Well, no, because I'm realistic and I know it's not going to be perfect. Yeah, but but my point is, my point something is something always happens. I mean, there's always going to be some little thing that goes a little. But you weird. want it to be but, close to perfect, right? As possible. But you know what? People only remember weddings when something weird happens at them. They don't remember the perfect. You wedding. know, that's a great point. People, you should do something weird. People remember <laughs> when when the food is bad or something like that, or we the could band have bad food. Stinks, no, you'll have great or, food. But when you know, they always remember. Then they remember some good things, like when the band is really good and there was a lot of good dancing or the liquor's good you know they'll remember no that she makes a great point you want your wedding to be memorable you want the, yeah for per- the good things you want Perfect you want a minor memorable. fire to break out no uh, no what? no like steve you just like show up and you know Honestly, do a little every comedy there routine is going right. to be there because they love the two of you and they want to support you yeah. as you right. start off married life right there the, i just saw this this dude uh, in North Carolina, Piners, a couple weeks ago, one of my best friends and in, in from high school, and we're still very close. And he's been married twice. I was the best man in his first wedding, and the bride uh, uh, walked too close to a tiki torch, and her veil caught fire. Well, and I literally grabbed the bride and uh, man shoved her to the ground so we could put the fire out. Because what bride doesn't want to be rolling around on the ground outside on her wedding yeah. day? Is this a true story? Absolutely a true story. <laughs> you put the you memorable. Took, you took the bride. What do you want me to let the bride be uh, burned to death? <laughs> I don't know. Grab the veil, throw it into the stands, and and call it a day. No, you know veils. My, veils are very flammable. I, I have had my hair catch on fire inside of. <laughs> club before because it brushed up against uh, all these votive candles that were everywhere when, and then when I was like I smell something burning and I'm like oh when oh, another <laughs> human being near you is on fire you have to act <laughs> but I think you you prepare for the 
you know, you prepare the most you can. Right. Yeah. And, and then you let hope it for happen. the perfect day, but then you're, you know, you're prepared for things maybe not going exactly the way you want them, but it's going to be but a beautiful day no matter what. I think what Mary Vandeville is saying, Carmen, <laughs> no. is a reality show setup <laughs> no. of no. something to blow up so that'll bad. be memorable. No, 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 no. I'm just so saying, naughty. the morning of just say, look at Chelsea and say, you know, I want your day to be perfect. But, you know, you've done everything you can to make it that way, and this is going to be a great day regardless. So just go oh, with it now. Because this is what's going to happen. Exactly. It's not, it's not, you're not in charge anymore. The people who are doing all the work for you are now in charge. To what make if it you right. hire one of Chelsea's old boyfriends to come into oh. the reception and you punch him in the face? No. That could be good. That's no. memorable. No. But you do have to buy her a gift wedding day, though, Carm. Wedding day gift? Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> no, yeah, I just don't think he meant okay, great. <laughs> uh, you guys know what a doppelganger is? Oh, yeah. What's a doppelganger? A uh, lookalike. I mean, like a really yes. phenomenally close. Mm-hmm. That's my brother from another mother. Yeah. So Ooh, let, let me, yeah, Grzanich. Let me introduce you to my doppelganger and his lovely wife. Here's Bill and Juliana oh. Rancic uh, <laughs> joining us live. Good morning, kids. How are you? We're good. How are you doing? We're doing great. We're doing great. How's that boy? Uh, the boy's good. He's he's big, as always. He eats like a horse, and uh, he's uh, loving Chicago. He's been spending a lot of time in Chicago, so he's just really thrilled to be back. Juliana, when you gave birth to Duke, did you think, I'm going to have two people eat me out of house and home? <laughs> um, you know, I knew that a lot was going to come with it, uh, but... It's been good, though. It's oh, been great, actually. You have a great family, and congratulations on that. But let's jump right in here. What is the C3 prize? The C3 prize? Mm-hmm. The C3 prize is um, an opportunity for people from all over the world, anyone, people just like you and I, to enter pri- uh, enter this contest to help improve cancer care. So this is beyond treatment. So basically, um, you know, the winner of this year's C3 three prizes the uh, Nanny Angel Network, and they provide child care to women who are going in for cancer treatment. And how wonderful is that? That's so a big basically, deal. it's exactly. So it, it's not um, so much, you know, obviously great research is being done um, in terms of, of cancer, but it's more about kind of the everyday, all the little things um, that can help improve someone's life as they go through cancer. Well, it's very forward thinking. Now, this, I'm sure it's a tough process to pick a winner. There's probably tons and tons of people who are worthy of consideration, but how big is the grant you give away? That's a great question, and you're right. We received you know hundreds and hundreds of uh, submissions, and I was one of the judges, Steve, so it wasn't easy. Mm-hmm. But we, uh, we awarded $100,000 grant. We awarded two $45,000 grants, wow. and then what we call the Emerging Idea Grant, which was $10,000. So um, it was, uh, I had great judges. I had uh, the team from Estella Psychology, who has a, a big facility up in Northbrook, uh, right outside the city. And they helped uh, They helped me, you know, narrow it down out of all the submissions. And uh, we had three finalists, and they were three female entrepreneurs. So it was really, uh, it was wonderful to see. And Juliana, what is it about what you saw in submissions that excites you about cancer research? What's out there that's coming? Well, as far as you know, the submissions, these were all non-medicine uh, related. So, you know, we had people who came up with ideas. That well, yeah, I guess that's a poorly to... worded question. But I mean, in the big picture of the cancer world, what's on the way? What are they doing? What's the innovations you're talking about? Well, you know, we had one in the emerging, idea, emerging ideas category, which uh, Julian and I both really loved. And this lovely lady, she lost her daughter to cancer uh, as a you know the 
daughter was a teenager, um, and she had realized that while her daughter was going through treatment, um, her friends didn't know how to react because, you know, it was foreign to them. They didn't, and they kind of alienated her, but not intentionally, just because they were almost like a deer in headlights. So she created an app called Be Present where uh, they can check in on her and say, hey, you know, I want visitors today. I don't want visitors. They can see what the patient needs and, and, and wants are, and they can help uh, stay present in that patient's life. And it was an emerging idea that the idea is just kind of getting off the ground, and we really feel like the grant money is going to uh, help her take it to the next level and also the exposure that we're going to be able to give her. And I'm sure that uh, the fact that, uh, Juliana, that you have battled cancer and uh, you as a family took uh, this cancer journey on, uh, I'm sure that's why you guys have been so interested and inspired to be a part of this program. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I have to say, when I, when I was diagnosed, I was 36, and Bill and I were married, but we didn't have a child. We were trying to have a child, um, but we didn't have one yet. And, and, you know, our son now is seven years old, and when I think back to that time, I think, oh, my gosh, what would I have done if Duke was at home? It would have made the, it so much more challenging and emotional and a you know, stressful time for me. So it, it would have been all of those things and more. And, um, and that's why this is so important. You know, it's those, it's, it's, those things that, you know, happen at home, the day-to-day life. Um, and there are, you know, there are gaps that can be filled um, in terms of that, that cancer journey. And that's what, you know, this contest really challenges people to do is come up with these great ideas. Like, for instance, this Nanny Angel Network, they, they won, and they're getting $100,000. And, you know, hopefully she can be in more communities, and every community could use the Nanny Angel Network. Sure. I'm sure you agree that... You know what? What an amazing nonprofit! And so um, that this really allows her to to go out there and build the business even more to help even more people. So yeah, I definitely know firsthand. You know, it's obviously what happens in the doctor's office is very important. There are big decisions there, but there's a lot of stress and and um, you know just discussion um, that happens at home as well. Well, that's what I love about it is that of course you haven't uh, you're think you're thinking about the patient, but you haven't forgotten about all the care caregivers as well. That's right. Exactly. All the caregivers and also all the topics that people don't always talk about. You know, one of the the finalists, actually, her focus was on um, cancer-related issues and, 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 like, in terms of sex and, and, and fertility and that sort of thing. And so that was, you know, a big deal that, you know, she was kind of drawing, you know, putting the spotlight on that. And she was creating you know, uh, basically a way for people to talk about that and get more information about it. Um, so that was interesting as well. I'm thinking about the kids here and the coaching that the nannies are getting to try to connect with a kid who's dealing with a parent who's got cancer. They might be super quiet and not wanting to talk about it and just avoiding it in general. Do, do you, can you share like what, what sort of some of the strategy might be for the nannies? Yeah, that's a great question. And all the nannies, uh, they're 100% volunteers, but um, they're teachers, they're social workers. And and part of becoming a nanny um, is they go through some training. So they go through training to understand um, what the child is going through. And and that's the beautiful thing about the uh, the Nanny Angel Network is, you know, it's really focused on the children and helping them answer the questions, helping them realize what their mom or, or their parent is going through. You know, why is my mom, why is her hair gone? things like that where they're not internalizing it and not, you know, suffering in silence. So these nannies are, are trained um, and they go through a fairly extensive training program, how to really uh, 
you know, take the burden off of the child and help them vocalize what they're feeling. Let me take one call here from uh, Kim. Kim, what do you want to say to the uh, the Rancics? Hi, uh, my name is Kim. Um, we um, had asked for help our daughter, Jordan. She found out she was pregnant with twins and had breast cancer on the same day. Wow. You guys uh, gave her the fabulous um, gifts. She got... Um, she was pampered for a day, and she was honored at a gala. And I just want to thank you because it made her feel amazing, you know, after she'd gone through Aww. all the chemo. And the twins were born, and they're great, and everybody's good. But I just want to thank you. God bless. What a, what a good story. And we're just passing it on, you know. So thank you. Oh, I appreciate that, and uh, I'm so happy to hear that everyone's doing well. That makes me so happy. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm so proud of that organization. And, you know, Bill and I really try to, you know, we realize what an incredible platform we have, you know, being on TV and, and you know, but being able to take that really, you know, that incredible platform and use it for a lot of good, right, and, right. and helping other people is so important. I mean, in fact, just the other night, I got a direct message from someone who said, I, you know, you don't know me, I'm 36 years old. When you were diagnosed, you were 36, and I, you know, I have a lot in common with you, and tomorrow morning I'm getting a double mastectomy, and I'm so scared. And so it stopped me in my tracks. I was on Michigan Avenue, and I was running from one thing to the next, and I just stopped. I sat down, and I just went back and forth texting with this young woman and trying to give her some, you know, guidance and support and inspiration. And one of the things she mentioned to me was, I've got this. I'm feeling good. I just worry for my two little girls at home. And, you know, right there, you're like, oh, this is what this is all about, you right. know. And, and these are real-life problems. And, um you know, this is a major, you know, and, and this poor young woman is going into surgery the next day. And look, she should be, obviously, she's the priority, but she can't stop thinking about her kids, you know, and, and so many people would feel that way. So to be able to help others go through this journey is something that's um, very special to us. So thank you for calling, and I, I appreciate that. Yeah, that I'm was glad great. you're doing well, and everyone's doing well. Great, Kim, uh, and paying it back and paying it forward. Um, and Juliana, you're feeling great? I am. I'm doing great. Yeah, yeah. Um, this year, this December will be eight years cancer free. God bless. So, How about that? Um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, feeling great. Yeah, out doing great, and just very feeling very blessed as well. And and knowing that, um, you know, it's important to get out there because other people are going through what I'm going, what I went through at that moment. You know, sure. when I was going through breast cancer. So. Yep just trying to help other people, and, and that makes a world of difference. And we want all your listeners, Steve, to start thinking about ideas, or they may have an idea for uh, the next C3 prize, and um, hopefully you'll let us come back on next year and, and really kick things off, but they can go to C3prize.com. And I know all the folks uh, at Estellas Oncology are listening, and I want to thank them for letting us award all this money to all these great organizations. There's a lot of people who are working behind the scenes up in Northbrook uh, helping us out. So I just want to send a big thank you to everyone up there. Last question for you guys. Uh, you're happily married. You're goofy in love. It's great to see. But our boy Carmen here is getting married in less than 30 days. He's a nervous wreck. Any advice for young Carm here as he approaches his uh, his big wedding day? Enjoy it. Oh, Bill. Um, <laughs> Bill, you're so romantic. Get a prenup. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No. Um, um, you know, <laughs> Bill, uh, Bill bringing you back to business. Um, I say 
on the night of the wedding, and this is what I went into my wedding thinking. We had a, about a, what, almost 200 people at our wedding. And I was like, do not get trapped talking to people you barely know. Or, or you know, you want to just really move around, you know, say hello to everyone. But it's about you and the person you're marrying. And spend as much time together as possible because before you know it, the night's gone by and the two of you have barely seen each other because everyone's grabbing you and wanting to be with you and that's fine but just quick kiss kiss hi hi thanks for coming <laughs> and then enjoy this is your wedding night and the two of you should you know this is about the two of you so I, think it's a good, I think it's great advice bill do you want to add anything that's not going to get you in trouble uh, I think you got to marry your best friend too, and I think fortunately for me, Juliana, uh, you know, we nice we, we love each other and we have fun, and, and that's another thing. You know, you're going to hopefully be married forever, and, and make sure you have fun along the way because we we certainly like to laugh and, and joke, and, and I think that makes the journey a lot more enjoyable. That's right, get you through life. Say hi to Duke, and uh, you guys have a great day. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for having us. Good day, everybody. See you later. See you that's soon. Bill and Juliana Rancic talking about some very important stuff there, the C3 Prize. Again, if you know somebody that's got an innovative idea, C3Prize.com, or just go and be inspired yourself when you go check out some of the submissions and what they do. C, the letter C, the number three, C3Prize, P-R-I-Z-E, uh, dot com. All right? All right. Uh, let's take one more break. We'll come back. Bill and Wendy coming up. Steve Bertrand, any sense in your newsman, a spidey sense of whether or not we get a settlement today on the strike? Well, I there's nothing significant to, that has been said out loud. There have been a couple of things. Mayor Lightfoot had an appearance earlier today uh, that she was going to visit some CPS kids who were out at a center. She put that off. They didn't say why. Uh, talks are set to resume at 10 o'clock, and we just got a notice from the mayor's office that the CPS negotiating team would give an update at 10.15. Um, which seems unusual that they would be talking 15 minutes after the session was to begin. Huh. Those are just two things that have happened today. I don't know that they mean anything or not. 9.56, Bill and Wendy are here, and have either one of you been to jail? I have not been to jail yet. Okay. When? Yet? <laughs> when? No, I have okay. never been. I have visited uh, yeah. a relative in jail. I've done appearances at jails, but I've not done any time. You performed at a, at mm-hmm. a jail? Oh. Like Johnny Cash? Just like it. Well, yeah, yeah I sang, because that's my thing. Mm-hmm. No, I did stand-up in jail. By the way, they're very appreciative. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what are they going to do if they don't like it? Is that what they call a captive audience? Yeah, yeah let me tell you something. Um, booing and heckling in jail is a whole lot different, you know? Because <laughs> you're not necessarily going to win. How many of you folks are from out of town? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember my first three years. <laughs> There's there's so many families oh. with somebody in, in yeah. jail. I don't even know how this came up, but we were talking about uh, what staff member has done at least one uh, day in jail. Carms, you went to jail, but you didn't actually stay. I spent about four hours, Steve. Game four, 1993, the NBA Finals. I uh, attempted to get into the greatest place in the history of the planet that's no longer with the Chicago Stadium. I had tickets for another game. I was hoping they just wouldn't look at the letter on the ticket. <gasps> But then I wow. decided, like, you know, I probably shouldn't do this. And then a gentleman walked up to me and said, what are you doing? And then I proceeded to tell him and asked him if he had any other yeah. seats. And then I told him again. And then he whipped out the handcuffs. Oh, no. That's jail worthy? That's what I said, Wendy. That You can't that you arrest me for, jail for You don't that. get arrested for standing outside Chase Bank and thinking about robbing I, the bank. Uh, I bailed him out because he had a cup and he was going, Attica, Attica, <laughs> on the bars. And I said, Carmen, it's not Attica. 
I was she's, fingerprinting with Steve. They stayed, she has not been in jail, but she was on Windy City Live, so it's almost oh, the no. same. Peri- there was a period of that time, <laughs> was, I'm sure. It <laughs> was uh, a lovely time. I think we agreed that Justin Kaufman at a protest he shouldn't have gone to in the first place is probably the most likely candidate. We don't think it's Ro Khan because he would have cried immediately. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He but his name is conducive to being yeah. in jail. Rokan. I'd like to see Ro in jail. <laughs> that would crack me up. Right. I'm right. sorry, Ro, but... It's so dusty in this cell. <laughs> oh, I... he is a hypochondriac. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Well, I mentioned earlier, too, he would befriend the leader of Cell Block C in about 35 yeah. seconds. Record time. Right. Could you imagine him on the show Survivor? Like he would probably have all these alliances. I pitch, He'd be negotiating. I, I pitched a show called Insufferable Whiner, uh, starring Ro. Aww. I like Ro. I always have. We can tell. No, really? It's coming across <laughs> loud and clear. Like, here's the thing. He knows he's an insufferable right. whiner. Yes. So I'm not telling him something he doesn't know. Yeah. What are you guys doing today? We have Peter Asher on. Uh, he has got a new book out, The Beatles, From A to Z, an alphabetical Ooh. musical Okay. Magical mystery tour. They were big. Yeah. Really? Yeah, the Beatles. Oh, yeah. The Beatles were big. Yeah, yeah. What else? <laughs> it's a Tech Tuesday, so we're going to talk all things tech. Does she do Is it she? Yes. Yes. Bridget Carey. Does she talk about smartphones? Oh, yeah. A lot. Common. Yeah. yeah. we got to get somebody on that's a smartphone expert. Just because you got a new smartphone. No, no I've got most of it figured out. But, uh, but it, I feel What's like... What's it doing or not doing? Um, it doesn't make lunch. <laughs> it doesn't make lunch. No, it's really weird. You got to return it. You need to upgrade it. Yeah, yeah, yeah to the new lunch maker. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, the people have phone questions all the time. Yeah, that's so. why we have Bridget on. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm jealous. We can't steal oh, don't be their. Jealous. We can't steal their segment. No, no, we're not Row. No, we don't steal guests. <laughs> oh my boy! Goodness. What did Row do oh. to deserve this today? I like Row. Well, oh. we can tell. Yes. We did that part, didn't we? Yep. <laughs> that was page five. All right, kids, you know what happens now. I say bye-bye. See you tomorrow when the music starts, and then you get the news.